That's good stuff. That's your favorite, honkers. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Anime Baby, big episode 50 triple header extravaganza. This is your host, who can't believe we even made it this far, Mikey. And joining me as always is... I, Nico Nico, need a break from work today. And <laughs> thankfully, I'm on PTO today to record this. Hey. It's your co-host, Ryan. <laughs> and on this episode, in celebration of making it to 50 episodes and to wash out the taste of our extremely cursed previous episode... We're gonna do this one right. Finally. And I mean, finally! We are covering Love Live School Idol Project. Fuck yeah, get in! Ooh, this one has been a long time coming for us. Yeah, because like, when I first conceived the idea of Anime Baby, Love Live was one of those shows that was on my shortlist. However, I, I didn't want to bring it out all willy-nilly. Like, I wanted to save it for just the right time. And... I think now, more than ever, is the perfect time, because not only are we celebrating 50 episodes of us doing this podcast, but also the Love Live anime this year, 2023, is celebrating its 10-year anniversary, so the stars have perfectly aligned for this one right here. Yeah, I'd say it's just about the best timing we could ask for, for to finally do Love Live. And good thing, too, because I had another idea for episode 50 about a year ago, but a few months ago, I started to second-guess it. Won't say what it is, because we're probably going to cover it in the future eventually, but uh, let's just say it's something that uh, might have ended up very mid. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what isn't mid? Love Live, baby! So uh, let's get you all up to speed on our favorite group of school idols up until the start of the anime, which means... Who's ready for story time with anime, baby? Yes. Time to introduce everybody to this, just like how you introduced it to me all those years ago. Yes. <laughs> Probably getting flashbacks to, like, me as soon as I came back from Florida that one year, just all like, oh, let me tell you about Love Life, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you about what I obsessed for an entire time in that hellscape. Yeah, in fucking Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Love Life, like many things, began with a dream. A dream of a massive multimedia project, and that dream began all the way back in the magical year 
of 2010. So, cast your minds back to that year, you know. The New Orleans Saints were celebrating their first Super Bowl victory. That should have been the Minnesota Vikings. Thanks a lot, Fanny Gate. Uh, Vancouver was hosting the Winter Olympics. The first iPad was released. Famous boy band One Direction formed. The number one song of the year was TikTok by Kesha, which would be used as a lame opening for The Simpsons one time. <laughs> uh, Instagram officially launched. Toy Story 3 was the highest grossing film of the year. And in May, Dengeki G's magazine announced a collaboration between themselves, the music label Lantis, and famous animation studio Sunrise. Like, we already talked about Sunrise before, but, you know, Cowboy Bebop, All of Gundam, uh, Outlaw Star, like, they've done a lot. Quite the pick for uh, your school idol anime. Yeah, the, the fucking Gundam people. <laughs> <laughs> and this collaboration was set to begin on July 30th, 2010, and this would be the start of the Love Live School Idol project. So a little background on the magazine here. Uh, Dengeki G's magazine began all the way back in 1992, known for hosting reader participation games whose outcome directly influenced uh, by the people who read their magazine. So like, their bread and butter was like uh, bishoujo games, manga, light novels, and like fans would read, follow along with the stories, and then like vote on certain things to help uh, affect the stories going forward in certain ways. That's interesting. I've never interacted with any kind of system like that of media. Yeah, it's kind of like a, it's like a magazine version of like a visual novel in a way. Weird. I've never even I've never even conceived of anything like that. Yeah, like all we got here is stuff like Nickelodeon magazine. There's no point involved in that. <laughs> this we get is like a nice goosebumps choose your own choose your own scare book. Yeah. <laughs> and then you like read it and you're all like, uh, oh no, I died. Uh, go back, go back. My finger was on the page. My finger was on the page. <laughs> and so the project began with a prologue in the uh, very next issue of the magazine, introducing us to the characters, giving us a rundown of the story, all culminating with the release of their first single on August 10th, 2010. And it was just off to the races from there. And by the way, I have to mention the official creators of Love Live because uh, while this is very much a series done by committee. There are some uh, there are some masterminds behind this series. So first up, uh, a name you will see when if you look at the credits for Love Live is uh, Hajime Yatate, which is actually a pseudonym for the collective contributions of the folks at Sunrise. And you'll actually see that name in uh, a lot of uh, Sunrise works too. So keep an eye out. That means pretty much a whole team of people at Sunrise. But the most important person, the one who created these characters, came up with the stories and still does this to this very day, is a woman named Sakurako Kimino. Don't have too much on her, but uh, she is a Japanese novelist who works for Dengeki G's magazine. Prior to creating Love Live, she created the series for the magazine, these uh, two series for the magazine called Sister Princess and uh, Strawberry Panic, which are like, which were actually very successful for the magazine and like Bishoujo in general. But uh, once she created Love Live, she never looked back in. I mean, can you blame her? <laughs> I mean, just just imagine, well, I mean, considering the, how big the next project would be. Yeah, and the <laughs> fact that it's still going to this very day. And, like, if you look at her credits on, like, uh, either Wikipedia or ANN, it's just like, okay, Sister Princess, Strawberry Panic, love, 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 love. <laughs> just never looked back. And she basically works on every written thing for Love Live, as well as, like, creating the characters themselves. Like, she's written each of the, the manga adaptations, the school idol diary side stories, and anything written that's in the magazine, you know, like if there's like a little blurb or a character does an interview or like talks about themselves, that's all written by her. And she does all that while Lantis produces the music and Sunrise produces the animations. And on the subject of music, this is all handled by a woman named Akihata. Uh, she's a musician, lyricist, singer, and composer who's been active since 1996. 
In fact, she's even released her own albums and singles from 1999 all the way up to 2016, and she's part of this band called uh, Sukihiko. I believe she plays, she does uh, vocals and uh, keyboard for that band. Hmm, okay. You know, and she's also composed uh, songs for various anime, including, but not limited to, Azamanga Dayo, The Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya, and Lucky Star. Oh, man. So, <laughs> That's exactly what you want for your school idol. For this series, you get this wo- you get uh, this woman who just did banger after banger after banger. That's strong stuff right there. <laughs> and after the release of their first big single, uh, the Love Live uh, group would go on to release uh, four more from 2010 to 2012, including seven uh, extra singles performed by differing duos and trios, as opposed to the uh, the full group here. So, like... You'd have four songs from, like, all nine characters, then you had seven songs from, like, duos and trios here. And during this time, fans would be able to get in on the fun with things like popularity polls, which in some cases determined who got to be the center for some of the major songs. Fans could also vote on the uh, the subunits for the group, you know, who gets to be in them, what are the names of these groups. And they even decided on the name of the Love Live group in general. Like, the name we got, that was decided on by the fans. And this tradition is one that still goes to this very day with each succeeding Love Live generation. Like most idol projects, the breadth of this thing is just incredible. Yeah, right? Just Then again, compared to most other idol series, I will say this one has like a narrower creative view. Yeah, I would say so. Nar- narrower creative control over it. Mm-hmm, yeah, it's like... It's not like, say, an idol master that just kind of gets out of hand and you just kind of have like too many too many cooks in the kitchen doing their own thing here. No, 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 no. Like, there's, there's, there's a much more, there's a much more focused creative intent here with Love Live. And honestly, that focus adds to the charm of it because it doesn't get too muddled. Yeah, it makes it more to its own thing. Yeah, and like, you wouldn't even guess if the series done by a committee, like something that's just so obviously out there to sell albums and like sell merch and stuff like that. All the creatives on working on Love Live, it needs to be reiterated. Like, have a very specific vision, and they all just work. In perfect tandem with each other. Right. Just everything's working so well. It's a good mix here. And it's a real shame that I got into the series late because this would have been so much fun to follow at the time. And also it would have been fun tracking how the art style itself shifted over these first couple of years. Because like, if you look at Love Live from the very beginning in 2010, it's definitely a weird sight. If, especially if you're used to how they look nowadays. <laughs> like it's not bad. But it's not what it is today. Like, it wouldn't be until about 2012 2012 when they started to nail the look of the franchise overall that kept it going throughout these uh, next several years. A brilliant gem, but one that needed to be sought out on some edges. Yeah, like, you watch some of those early music videos and it's like, the songs are good, but it's all like, ooh, put them back in. They're not done yet. (laughs) And uh, speaking of 2012, in early 2012, it was announced that Love Life would be receiving an anime in 2013. So after producing the animated music videos for the uh, five major group singles, Sunrise would go on to produce a full-fledged Love Live anime. Directed by Takahiko Kyogoku and written by Juki Hanada, uh, Takahiko Kyogoku worked uh, mostly as a storyboarder and episode director, though he had, though uh, one series that he did direct was uh, Gate. Remember Gate? I, had, I unfortunately do. I, I unfortunately do, too. I, I know it's... I know it was since then used as propaganda for the, for the Japanese army. <laughs> Come on, don't you want to join the military and, I don't know, be in an easy guy? Go, go to another world and 
prop up this military that doesn't really have anything to do. <laughs> Don't you love live-action Monster Hunter? Don't you want to kill for your country? <laughs> uh... Don't you want to be patriotic? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Juki Hinata, though, wrote for tons of different anime projects, including two but not limited to, uh, Every Love Live, except for uh, Nijikasaki, K-On!, Kantai Collection, a.k.a. Bodie McBoat Girls. <laughs> Nichijo. Princess Jellyfish, which means, oh god, you worked with the director of Samurai Flamenco. <laughs> That's a funny little connection we found here. A little bit. <laughs> also, uh, Sound Euphonium, which I haven't seen, but I hear is good. Uh, past Anime Baby episode, Bloom Into You. And my favorite anime of all time, Steins Gate. Hey! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And when I, when I got into this, this would have been like roughly a year after I watched Steins Gate. So like I was I was feeling Steins Gate fever here. Mmm, struck while the iron is hot. And so in 2013, on January 6th, that's unfortunate. The Love Life anime would begin. It's a, it's a shame that date has been co-opted by assholes because <laughs> like that should be Love Life Day. Yeah, it should have been. But no, fucking. What what can you do? Fucking Jimmy Pesto, Chris Jericho's wife, and QT ruined it for everyone. <laughs> But, uh, you know, Love Live starting on that day, that's not where story time here ends. We got more. Or rather, I got more. Yeah, this is also, this podcast is, the beginning of this podcast is kind of more story about you. Yeah, so, who's ready for story time with Mikey, baby? (laughs) So, my history with Love Live is a very interesting one. So, uh, it started all the way back when the, uh, the first anime aired, actually, but, uh, I didn't watch it. Instead, uh creator I was following at the time, who uh, Jacob Chapman, who did videos for a uh, site that I no longer want to associate with anymore, uh, he was doing these uh, weekly videos where he would uh, watch uh, certain seasonal anime as they were airing, you know, go episode by episode and then say whether he'd like it, you know, keep going on with it or drop it. And uh, one of the shows he was talking about was the first season of Love Live. And I only saw bits of Love Live through his videos, and I, I think he might have stopped after a while. He never finished it, but... But uh, I saw this and I thought, oh, this looks interesting. This looks cute. And like, hey, music. I I like music anime. But I didn't get into it because I already had uh, plenty of anime on my plate at the time. I was in college, too. I was already in an anime club, so I had more anime that I could ever dream of. So I decided this looks nice, but I'm going to save it for another day. So fast forward a year later, that following summer of 2014, I was in Florida visiting family. And just one day, for whatever reason, I was just scrolling on the Crunchyroll news articles, you know, just seeing, like, eh, whatever news they got. And I found this one news article that really jumped out to me. A story of a guy, a big Love Live super fan, who got a tattoo of one of the characters on his back, like a fucking Yakuza tattoo. <laughs> like, completely covering his whole entire bag like the fucking dragon on Kiryu. I hope that man was an actual Yakuza. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Whenever he gets in a fight, he just rips the jacket off. Yeah. And, you just, and you just see a big Ni- uh, Niko Hanazawa on yeah. the back. <laughs> yeah, just the house of Nozomi Tocho. <laughs> but then I saw that. I'm just all like, what the fuck is this? And then I thought, like, wait a minute. Love Live. I remember that. Jacob Chapman talk about that. And then I thought, huh. I did say I was going to go back to that series one day. So, you know, I went on YouTube, just looked up some clips, you know, looked up the opening, and then I thought, 
okay, I think I might be, I might be in. So pulled up Crunchyroll, started the first season, and I was just off to the races. <laughs> like I watched all the first season in like a week, posting like every day on like Tumblr and Twitter about like, oh my god, I'm at this episode, it's so good. Oh, I'm at this episode, it's so good. I love this character, I love that character. And then eventually I actually got caught up to the point where I was following season two as it was airing because it was uh, starting to air around the time. The rest is history. Watched all of Love Live, followed season two to the very end. Then I came home and then I just started spreading the word about Love Live. <laughs> you started to spread the gospel. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I got wrapped up in your uh, inquisition. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so uh, after I got started, what was uh, your history with that? I mean, my history is like your history. Like, <laughs> that, that's where the story comes in. You come back to me like one time after, after like Florida and you like pitch all this like idol shit to me. <laughs> and then you, and then we like start watching it and watching it whenever we can. Like whenever we can meet up, like we meet, we uh, meet up in, I think it was my parents' basement at the time. Yep. And we would just like watch some of it. And yeah, you were kind of selling me on this. And like, I was like, oh, this is, this is actually way better than like I expected. Yeah. Like. This is actually a very this is actually a very wholesome kind of uh, musical comedy drama. Right. This is great. <laughs> and from then on, I've just kind of been uh, keeping track of like when it, like whenever you make progress along, I make progress along. <laughs> Eventually, at some Eventually, point. Eventually, yeah. We still gotta get to Nijigaku. Yes, that is true. Like the uh, the third series and also the uh, spinoff. Yep. And then also like uh, I remember I think we started on Crunchyroll. But then, like, I managed to save up enough money to buy, like, the $150 Blu-ray set from NIS America. <laughs> You're very proud of that thing. Yeah, I'm very proud of that thing. And uh, I remember at the time, it was also uh, sub-only. So, like, that was the only Blu-ray I owned that was, like, in the original Japanese. Like, I could have just stuck with the Crunchyroll version, but it's like, no, I need to physically own this because, you know, support physical media. Yes. And then eventually, I realized, I found out that, oh... The series that was only sub only, it's gonna get a dub soon. So it's like I gotta buy those Blu-rays next too. <laughs> and then that just pretty much brings us to today, part one of our big episode fifty triple header. I am fucking jazzed for this. Yeah, one. I mean, like the rest is history, man. You just <laughs> you've just been going off to the races with the series. Yep, never stopping. Watched every single series that came out since. Yep. Bought the merch, bought the DVDs whenever you can. Yep, met actors who have been in, like, the dub, too. Get them to sign my posters and DVD Blu-ray box sets. What is your, uh, what is your, uh, proudest piece of Love Live merch? Ooh. That Blu-ray, uh, chipboard box set, that first one I bought, that was originally sub only, and then when I bought the dub, I swapped out the discs for the dub in that one, so that's, like, my main love live uh, box set your centerpiece my centerpiece it's got all of the characters on it and also i have two autographs on it signed by uh, two of the dub actors ah nice and my my goal is to like get all nine of them to sign it in the future oh that is excellent might be hard because i know one of them doesn't really do conventions but i will i will hopefully get to her someday <laughs> so that is my number one piece of love live merch the blu-ray set yeah you got a decent collection going on yep i also got some figures of like certain characters i got nendos i got wall scrolls and everything i got artwork that i bought at uh, conventions and it's only gonna grow from there it's only gonna grow from here <laughs> as long as there's conventions there's always gonna be me buying a piece of love live merch <laughs> as long as i have a wifey in every season i'm gonna be buying their merch <laughs> <laughs> 
and uh, brought up like uh, licensing and the dub up for. I should mention that uh, the series was originally licensed by NIS America. Hey, remember when they used to license anime? <laughs> it eventually then shifted over to Funimation, now Crunchyroll. And it took a bit of a while for a dub to, to come out, but eventually it did. It was produced by Bang Zoom Entertainment. It was directed by uh, Lupin III himself, Tony Oliver, <laughs> with uh, scripts by uh, Caitlin Glass. And I think we're ready. <laughs> I think we're ready. All these years that has been coming, it's been culminating years. to this. In our, I know we say that about a lot of it. We say that a lot about that. We're pretty <laughs> hyperbolic, but still. But this is like an actually big one. This is like perfect for this milestone of a three-parter here. So, with all that out of the way, we're celebrating 50 episodes of Anime Baby with the first part of episode 50, which is all about Love Life School Idol Project Season 1. So, without further ado, Muse Music Start! So, first things first, uh, the opening and the ending to season one. The opening is Bokuro wa ima no nakade, or We're Living in the Moment, and the ending is Kito Seshun ga Kikuro Eru, or Surely Our Youth Can Be Heard. What do we got here? I mean, strong start, right? <laughs> <laughs> if you need to be sold on the music of the series, you just need to listen to the opening and ending, because the rest of the series is that level of quality. Yes, exactly. By which I mean very, very high. Yeah. <laughs> The opening and endings are absolute bangers. They really are. Like like I said before, the opening was the first thing I decided to watch before I actually watched the full episode. Poppy and energetic and just absolutely delightful. Energetic. You get like a lot of cute cutaways. You got characters popping in below the screen making faces. You also got like cute costumes and everything like that. And the song itself is just... A bona fide banger. It's so, so good. See this character? They're gonna join. See that character? They're gonna join. See this character? Ooh, that's what they're gonna be like. Ooh, this is what their relationships are gonna be like. It just gives you little, little hints of, like, what each member of the group is gonna be like. Mm-hmm. And also, the ending is very nice, too. I love little... I love how uh, the main part of it, when they get to the chorus, is, like, all of them in front of, of a piano, and they're all singing along. One character is, like, shaking maracas around. <laughs> And uh, one gimmick I love about the ending is that uh, depending on the episode, depending on who gets like a spotlight for that episode, 
their seiyu will be singing the song. That's a great detail. I love that. Like, you you get, like, a different singer for, like, each episode. It's great. Mm, that's excellent. Get ready for more Kashikam about music, because this is, <laughs> like we said, this is a high, high standard of music here. Mm-hmm. But first off, I, I just want to nip this in the bud right now before we get going as, uh, we will be covering the dub as usual, but I'm going to say this now. The dub, the dub is good. Like, I remember at the time when this was announced and there were clips coming out of the dub, there were tons of fucking dork haters out there just shitting on the dub when it was first announced. Yeah, people would probably forget about this since so much time has passed, but yeah, that was kind of a shitty thing happening. Yeah, it was awful. Like, it absolutely pissed me off. Like, I hated going onto Twitter or Tumblr and seeing assholes saying all like, oh, this dub fucking shucks, everyone sounds stupid, why does Umi sound like Ash? Like, absolute garbage stuff from people. You see, I, I just like, discount those people entirely and just don't even acknowledge them. Oh yeah, like I remember fo- unfollowing a, a number of people on both Tumblr and Twitter who were just being empty-headed fucking dumb fucks about this whole thing. Like, it's okay to prefer the Japanese version over the dub, but... Don't be shitty about it. Don't harass the cast and crew about this thing. I'm glad this is so much less of a problem these days. Yeah, because, like, you get an announcement of a Love Live dub, and, like, it's mostly positive from everyone. Like, there's no shitty harassment campaigns. Yeah. And also, I should mention that a lot of the dub cast and crew, they were already big fans of the series prior to this, too. And, like, even if you weren't a big fan, you came out being a fan. It helps to have that love going into the series. Like, one of but my hey, fa- this series will teach you to love either one way or another. Exactly. Like, one of my favorite things is, like, figuring out, like, oh, who's a fan? Who, who was a fan before this? And seeing, like, oh, who played the cell phone game? Or who cosplayed characters before being cast? And who did that after being cast? Like, it's just... You, you can never escape the charm of Love Live, no matter how you get into the series. But, uh, anyway, uh, I said we were also talking about the dub, but I will also be talking of the Japanese version as well. You have to. I have to. Because uh, I watched season one in both Japanese and English, and I will be doing the same for both season two and the movie as well. They're the ones singing. You have to talk about it. Yeah, and this will also apply to uh, Splicey as well. Like, any dialogue bits, that'll be in English, but all the songs will be in Japanese. I may throw in some Japanese talkie bits too, just as comparison stuff, but we're getting the best of both worlds because, like, Love Live is a franchise where the Japanese cast are very much a part of its identity. Like, when they're not an animated form of the group, when they're on stage performing, they are the faces of the franchise right here. Yes, you cannot discount them in any way. And also, this means I'm going to do something very special when I uh, name voices behind each of the characters. So, uh, I'm going to name the English VA as usual, but then I will name their seiyu, and then I will actually spotlight that seiyu, you know, talk about where they came from, and, like, how they got started before joining up with the Love Live Project. Because these big projects, they're labors of love. Every last person every last person participating in these projects is a bit of a story to them. Yeah. And, like, uh, their history, I will only be mentioning stuff up until the start of the Love Live Project. So if you're wondering, how come I didn't mention this thing, that'll be coming later. Yes. And I won't always do this when they first show up, but uh, in some cases I will save it for when their character becomes more prominent, prominent in the story. So anyway, kickoff. No beating around the bush here as we are immediately hit with our major conflict as uh, our main school for this uh, generation, Otonoki Zaka High School, is set to close down. Like, that is immediately the first thing we get is, like, we get our main characters. They see a notice on a board and it says, like, due to uh, low students uh, applying to the school, we are officially closing down. Hey, it means classes are easier because the parent teachers stop giving a shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
And one of the things I love, especially about OG Love Live, is that they can make even the most melodramatic moments actually pretty funny. Like, this whole reaction to, like, the school being closed down, like, they just give a big reaction to it, and then it's all like, what are we gonna do? I have to take an entrance exam for the next high school I get to join. <laughs> or, like, uh, one of the characters passes out, wakes up in the nurse's office, thinks it was all a dream, skips back, sees, like, the notices on the board, and then passes by an even bigger notice of the same <laughs> message and then immediately falls over. Already the humor is <laughs> just very strong. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good sign for the rest of the series. And it's here we're introduced to the first three of our main girls. So, roll call. Second-year students, Honoka Koska, played here by Marie Harrington in English, and Emi Nita in Japanese. Umi Sonata, played here by Jolene Kujo herself, Kira Buckland in English, and Suzuko Mimori in Japanese. And Kotori Minami, played here by Christina Valenzuela in English, and Aya Uchida in Japanese. So now it's time for our first round of Seiyuu Spotlight. So first up, Emi Nita, a.k.a. Emitsun. And by the way, going forward, I will be referring to each uh, Seiyuu by their nickname here. So, Emitsun, she pretty much had music in her blood. She was uh, in band in high school, and then later went to college for music specifically. And then in March 2009, she began her vo voice actress career after passing a voice acting audition held by the S Agency. And being cast as Honoka for Love Live back uh, at the start of the project in 2010 would end up being her big break as a seiyuu. Like, she wasn't doing much beforehand, but then as soon as she was cast as Honoka, it was like off to the races with her. Like, she even managed to pick up, like, some smaller voice roles afterwards, like, you know, before and after Love Live began. And a couple of fun facts about her. Uh, she loves dinosaurs. Like, <laughs> you can find <laughs> tons of pictures of her with, like, dinosaur stuff, or, like, talking about dinosaurs on, like, social media. Look, it's a coprolite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bet, bet she loves uh, Land Before Time. <laughs> and also, uh, she's got really strong arms. Like, look up pictures of her wearing short sleeves or no sleeves at all she's got beef <laughs> do you have more of these like fun little facts about each of the saves yeah i got some more of these fun facts oh i can't wait <laughs> that's that's just delightful and uh more on this well, yeah that's just something that comes up like yeah she has particularly beefy arms yeah like i remember seeing a picture of her at a concert and like you know just seeing them in interviews like yeah she could bench press like she could bench press three three of us at once <laughs> like i remember seeing a picture of her during like a live concert and like like, uh, the picture was caught in, like, almost like she was flexing a bit, and I was like, holy shit, welcome to the gun show. Getting ready for, like, the arm wrestling competition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you bring up arm wrestling, that's a nice segue, as, uh, she loves doing that, but, uh, her agency actually forbids her from arm wrestling on camera because she looks threatening while doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, no, don't, no filming any soon when she's, like, arm wrestling someone. She looks scary. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, up next is Suzuko Mimori, a.k.a. Mimarine. Uh, when she was in high school, she considered taking the exam to join the uh, Takarazuka Review, you know, the uh, famous all-women's Japanese theater troupe. The school in uh, Kekeki Shoujo was based off them, also the, uh, the Zuka Club and Oran Host Club. So if you want a good idea what they're about, just uh, check out those. And uh, Mimarine, she even had uh, short hair at the time, so she totally would have been in the uh, Otsukoyaku role, which is uh, the women who play the male roles. Which I, I can totally see, by the way. She totally looks like she would be part of them. <laughs> but uh, she was active in uh, stage plays and musicals under the stage name uh, Kurokawa Suzuko since uh, she was 18, working with the uh, Mari Art Dance Studio as part of a theater group. And then she was invited by the Hibiki Entertainment Office's president and asked her, hey, would you like to try being a seiyuu? And then she joined the, uh, the uh, Hibiki Entertainment and uh, commenced her voice actress uh, career. 
her big break came when she was cast as the lead in this series called uh, Milky Homes, which is like a, it's like a cute girl series where it's four girls and they're all based on famous fictional detectives like Sherlock Holmes and stuff. <laughs> cute. And uh, since uh, Mimarine was the lead, she was ba- her character was uh, based on Sherlock. <laughs> and it's uh, apparently a fairly popular series. Like uh, Mimarine was still a part of it while still doing Love Live. And I think they may have uh, ended roughly around the same time in 2016. Mm, okay. Though, uh, after Love Life, she's had, uh, quite the career and life in general, but, uh, I'll save that for later, because it's pretty big, and if you know me, you know I love this. <laughs> so instead, let's finish out this round with Aya Uchida, a.k.a. Uchi. Uh, as a child, she was a fan of, uh, Sailor Moon, along with the works of, uh, Studio Ghibli and Disney, and this was actually her motivation to get into voice acting. She wanted to be a part of, uh, something as big as these, uh, projects here. And after graduating high school, she entered the Yo-Yogi Animation School and then enrolled in JTB Entertainment Academy as part of as a part of its uh, pioneer batch. She would start off her voice acting career in uh, tw- 2008 with uh, bit roles before hitting it big with uh, Love Live. And uh, during the early stages of her career, she actually supported herself with uh, part-time jobs such as being a uh, sales staff at department stores, production line quality inspector at factories, and sometimes even menial labor carrying uh, cardboard boxes oh man so her so part of her life at that point was like the worst part of mafia too yeah <laughs> <laughs> and also uh, and she was like fuck this fuck, I, this fuck this i can go off and get work better and like love life fuck this i'm being an idol <laughs> <laughs> and a uh, fun fact about her she is known to be a big drinker like, she can hold her liquor pretty well. Like, it's kind of notorious amongst the <laughs> She can drink all of Love Live under she the table. She can drink all of them under the table. <laughs> loves her beer, loves her wet red wine. <laughs> like, you can find pictures of her, like, you know, with a, with a mug of beer. <laughs> and still keeps it professional, though. Exactly. It's awesome. <laughs> that concludes uh, round one of Save Spotlight here. What do, you, what do you have to say about that? Uh, pretty great stuff. <laughs> I mean, I don't really have much else to say other than just, yup, those those fun facts really can fun. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, uh, I mean, I'm just ha- I'm just having a lot of fun just hearing about some of these smaller details about their backstories. Oh yeah. Because for so long, I've only ever known them as just like the singers and voice actresses and the dancers, you know. So right, right. So I'm very. Uh, it, it delights me to hear some of these fun facts, and I'm I'm glad to know that there's going to be secrets too yeah, later on that you're going to unlock. Yep. Feels <laughs> like an RPG journey. <laughs> Anywho, uh, back to the conflict. School's closing down, and uh, you know, one person might ask, uh, "Why care so much about high school closing down? It's high school. High school kind of sucks." Rest of the year is going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> going to be out of this shithole. <laughs> but, you know, there is actually a reason why they care so much. Because yes, it's an actual good sh- school. Yeah, and, you know, like... There's some heart to it. Japanese high schools are more like colleges here in the States in that you actually get to choose which school you want to go to, so you have more of a personal connection to it. And also, they get over the fact that uh, Otonokizaka is actually a very nice school in, like, the uh, Tokyo area. Man, I can't even imagine that kind of freedom right. at, like, at a, like an elementary school age. <laughs> my parents asking me which high school I want to go to could never conceive of that. Yeah, right? Never. No, over here it's all like... Even let alone in middle school. <laughs> if I was a middle schooler, they would yeah. never ask me that. Yeah. <laughs> like over here it's all like, uh, where do you live? Okay, uh, that's the closest school. You go there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just go wherever is like... Has the best walking distance. It's exactly how I got to my high school. It's because I can walk 10 minutes there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And around this time, we also meet the uh, student council president and vice president, Eliyase and Nozomi Tojo, respectively, more or less confirming the school's uh, situation and getting over the fact that uh, the prez here, she's a very serious and uh, no-nonsense kind of girl, so more on them later. But instead, uh, we find out more about uh, another school in the area that's uh, gaining a lot more interest over uh, Otonokizaka. In fact, uh, later that night, Honoka, she goes back home and she sees her sister looking up uh, this school called uh, UTX. You know, she wants to go to that school because Otonokizaka, it's pretty much uh, written in the sand, like, they're, they're donezo. So uh, let's talk about uh, UTX here, as uh, it's actually based on an actual building in Tokyo, this uh, building that is used for the school. It's actually real. It's a uh, high-rise building called uh, Akihabara UDX, located in uh, Chiyoda, Tokyo. It's pretty much like an all-purpose venue, you know, with uh, restaurants, galleries, event spaces, probably some office spaces in there, too. So it's like pretty much anything you want to have in there, you can have in there. I wonder if it's now a pilgrimage, too. A pilgrimage spot for Love Life fans. I'm pretty sure it is. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, some interesting characters uh, pop up here when Honoka goes to uh, check out the school one day. We see a couple of first-year girls coming in to see things. We also see this... uh, pigtailed girl trying to be a gal incognito here but then the biggest thing we see on the big screen in front of the school is this group called arise they are they are the resident school idols representing utx and uh while for season one they're mostly bam they non-factor they do make quite an impact with like their song like i'll splice you in a bit of it here school idols yeah singing idol groups formed in school Ring any bells for ya? Hmm? Kyle we'll be late! Please, you gotta let me hear at least one song! my greatest idea ever this is brilliant so this is where honika gets an idea on how to save the school bake sale <laughs> no no it, it, it's idols it's it's school idols we're gonna sing our way to save the school yeah <laughs> like the basic idea is all like hey if we become idols we can generate interest and then that interest can turn into people being all like hey those girls love this school maybe it's cool I should go to that school, and maybe I could meet them too, you know? And Katori, she's cool with the idea, but uh, Umi, she needs some more conviction here. Like, that's one of the uh, earlier conflicts of uh, season one is, like, trying to get her on board because she's very straight-laced and serious, but also she's very... She's filled with her own, like, personal anxieties too. Right, right. Umi, she, like, she, she she's got good organizational skills, but, you know, 
the the nitty gritty of uh, being an idol. That's what she's a little less uncomfortable with. Yeah, but also the flashiness and everything could be a little too much for her. Not her style. No, like uh, Katori, she's uh, designing outfits, and then Umi even looks at them and she goes like, "What are those?" long things sticking out under the skirt oh those are legs <laughs> we're, we're gonna have her bare legs underneath those skirt <laughs> which actually does lead to a fun joke later on where she tries to wear uh track pants underneath her idol outfit <laughs> but uh roughly around this time honoka she's uh in the school hallways you know kind of mulling over this idea after umi tells her no school idols she then uh hears a sound in the distance a sound of someone singing and we meet a certain red-headed pianist with a magnificent voice. You know, Honoka, she, it's, it's a great fit where, like, as soon as she's done playing piano, we immediately cut to, like, the window in the door, and Honoka's just all, like, <laughs> clapping so intensely, like, it's a great image. And then she's all like, hey, you, you look pretty, you have a great voice, don't you want to be a school idol? And then the girl's all like, nami sore, imi wa karanai. I don't get you. <laughs> and then uh, afterwards, we actually get, like, another fun bit, Going back to Umi, she's like, uh, she's uh, in the school archery club, and, you know, she's practicing, but, like, before she can, like, pull, you know, let go of the arrow, she, like, thinks about being an idol, and it's just throwing her off her game, these little imaginations of her, like, being a school idol, going all, like, love arrow shoot, or arrow of love. Yeah, the, the it's, it's, the, the seed of doubt is inside her now. And she's like, what's wrong with me? Why am I thinking about idols? She's denying her purpose. <laughs> Stupid Honoka putting this idea in my head. <laughs> By the way, in general, Umi, she's someone I didn't think much of at first, but over the years, I've really grown to love and appreciate her. Like, I, I do love her character right here, and like, what she brings to uh, Love Live as a whole. And she's the straight-laced serious one, but, like, that makes for a good contrast for an industry that is very, uh, sugary sweet. Yeah. And also the fact that she's so charmed by Honoka selling this idea of being a school idol to her that she can't help but think about it and actually wants to get, it, get in on this. Like, there's actually a great scene where, like, she and Katori are talking and then they think about, you know, back when they were kids, Honoka, she's always getting the two of them into, like, antics. Like, we see a bit where, like, they're little kids climbing a tree and then the branch breaks under them and they like try to grab onto the branch above them before they fall it's adorable it's cute but like it actually leads to a moment where they see like a very pretty sunset from a great view and then you know katori's all like i want to climb the tree again umi you know like i want to be a school idol i want to take this risk with with honoka so they all decide like okay let's be school idols but then the president's all like no uh 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 She's like, nope, no school idols allowed. We, we don't want you sullying the school with your weird idleness. But that won't deter Honoka, and we actually get our uh, first big song of the series, Susume Tomorrow. In that case, what is it we're going to do now? What are we going to do? What are we going to do now?
This song, I, rem- I remember hearing people who got into the series when it first aired. Like, it was a big song mainly because it involves one of the characters dancing in the street, <laughs> avoiding cars. <laughs> Other characters like, oh my god, she's gonna try and kill herself. I think you can actually find fan comics of people drawing uh, Honoka getting hit by a car. Oh, <laughs> well, uh, poor girl getting isekai'd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, this is actually a really good first song you know just to kind of show their uh, determination and them looking forward to the future you know like we're gonna do this whole idol thing too and i knew i was gonna like this the first time i got to this moment i knew it was all like okay you got me here i i'm all into you love live but, and a good demonstration of uh the good cgi kind of dancing we got here yeah let's uh let's talk about the cgi right now get that out of the way what what do you think about it in general i mean i think over the course of the series i mean i think it's just like completely fine it's one of those series where like you totally just understand it once you first see it like okay these are these are like real people singing and da- singing and dancing and whatnot so how do we portray that well it's really that's really easy to do with uh, CGI. So yep, CGI mocapping. Yep. So uh, just make a nice, good three D model of that and have them dance in the show. It. Uh, I think. <laughs> I think even at the time I thought like, okay, this could definitely be worse than other series, but no, this actually looks pretty good for Love Live. Right. And as the and as the years have gone on, gone by, it only like improves and looks better and better oh yeah because like uh it's a totally viable way to show dancing in like your series and here i think in love live like i think love live for years since has always been like the standard for how to portray that oh yeah like especially if you look at it nowadays with the most recent season like it's it looks so good to the point where you can't even pinpoint the, mo- the moments where they switch from cgi to a uh, 2d hand-drawn and also, like, a, it's a good balance, too. Like, I, I do like how it looks. You know, some people might say it's jank, but honestly, it looked jank before with, like, the earlier music videos. Like, they got better. Like, it's an improvement, and it's only going to get better from here. Yeah, it's only going to get better, and they use it very well. Like, they mix it in, like, uh, the CGI mocap stuff with, like, uh, some 2D shots here and there, especially with, like, uh, close-ups as well. Like, they know to mask it pretty well. But even when they don't mask it, it's still good. Like, I still really enjoy it and also credit to like the dancers they got to do those uh musical numbers and also credit to the seiyu as well because they have to do those exact movements on stage as well for the live concerts like it has to be one-to-one especially considering when they're performing they have the animations in on a big screen behind them matching up to them 
What, the live thing's not good enough for you? No, you need two lives at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Just having, like, two dances you both have to pay attention to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can, you can be someone who has, like, the, the pen lights, and it's like, I'm using this these, uh, this hand for pen lights of the characters on stage and this one for the characters on screen. <laughs> so, uh, time to prep for our first concert. And uh, it's mostly a lot of uh, Umi dealing with and trying to overcome her anxieties, which overall it's really nice and very cute. Like like we mentioned before, the little bit with the skirt and the legs, like that that's where it comes up here. And also like uh, we even get some moments later on where it's like trying to boost Umi's confidence. It's like okay, let's hand out flyers. You know, get used get you used to uh, talking to people in front in front of you. And if you get scared, just imagine them as vegetables, which leads <laughs> to like a fun sequence where like she just sees people with like veggie heads all over the place or like she thinks she's a farmer or something <laughs> but uh most importantly in this whole prep we need a name what's the kind of name that we can draw people in and they actually do come up with some goofy cute ones like ones just like all three of their names and it sounds like a, a manzai comedy group <laughs> or like they go uh land sea air we will defend our country it's like that's a very idly <laughs> <laughs> sounds like you were going to war yeah Done by the person who did Gate. <laughs> I, I got a name. The Otonoki Zaka School Idol Experience featuring Honoka. <laughs> uh, workshop. But, but we need to practice. We need to find a place to practice. And uh, they do manage to find the roof of the school, which will become uh, pretty much the go-to practice place for like any Love Live group going forward. It's always got to be the roof of the school. But then we need a song. Oh crap, we don't know any songs. <laughs> so like, uh, Oh crap, we didn't think about this part. Yeah, <laughs> the most important part of being an idol, <laughs> coming up with music. So Honoka, she wants to bring in the uh, the redhead to uh, compose music, and uh, as for lyrics, she and Gatori want Umi to do it, since uh, she's got experience with uh, writing flowery, mushy poems back in elementary school that she's also very embarrassed about. <laughs> and then Umi's all like, well, why didn't you do it, Honoka? And then we actually get a cute cutaway where it's like little baby Honoka in elementary school reading a crappy poem she wrote as a kid. <laughs> like, I don't like Manju. It makes you want to throw up. Dango is gross too. And then Katori's all like, you know, she's crap at writing. <laughs> Regular Percy Bishelli. <laughs> Kotori, she's able to, uh, you know, you know, crack the nut here for with Umi, where she's just she puts on the charm. She's where she's all like. I like that bit. You're just like using the cutesy eyes, and Umi's all like, "Oh, that's not fair." Ah, fine. <laughs> Who can say no to that? And uh, one thing I do like around this time here too is that uh, they take they take their time to actually get over the fact that idols need good stamina and conditioning to do what they do to perform all of these songs while keeping a smile on their face and not looking like they're straining themselves, which they totally are. This is also a nice detail to Love Live that I didn't really see in many other uh, anime. About. Well, to be honest, I've never watched a series like Love Live <laughs> before I watched Love Live. But it is nice to see them get into some of the minutia of how, um, how, how much work this actually takes. Yeah, like... You need stamina, you need strength, you need, like, 
you know, precision. You need to be able to carry a beat, you know? It's pretty much like being a pro wrestler in a way, because, like, you can have the greatest body in the world, but if you don't have that conditioning and stamina, you can get gassed immediately. Like, look at The Rock at WrestleMania 29. Looks like a beefcake, but he got gassed two minutes into his match with Cena. Ah, yes. The first of many wrestling comparisons I know you were going to yeah. make <laughs> to Love Live. Oh, you don't know the half of it. <laughs> you, you have championed that there's a lot in common between Love Live and wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I also want to bring up the example that Umi comes up with, you know, to show, like, uh, what it's like, you know, singing and dancing while having a smile on your face, is that uh, she comes up with the idea of doing push-ups while also trying to maintain a smile, and that it's actually easier said than done. So then uh, we find out more about the uh, the redhead from earlier, that uh, she's a first-year student named Maki Nishikino, and she refuses to uh, help the girls with the music, you know, saying that, all, like, you know, idol stuff, it's all just lame idly crap like there's no real substance to it you know it's not like classical or jazz which is what i play yeah maybe you girls should like sing beethoven or yeah. something <laughs> or like maybe introduce some herbie hancock <laughs> <laughs> like then call me up you know imagine a full idol performance set to <laughs> but then uh honica brings up the uh the push-up thing to her and then that's when she realizes okay, maybe it's harder than it looks. There's actually uh, you something You got me there. It. Yeah. So Honoka, she just gives her the lyrics and just says, you know, read them over, think about it, and then just get back to me. And if not, that's fine. I'll leave you alone. But I'd love to hear you play again. And Maki's all like, you know, I'm going to say no. And she's like, that's fine. You can, you can do that. But Maki's all like, mm, maybe, hmm, maybe not. Either way, it's good songwri- songwriting experience. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Like, Can't ever say no to that. Well, you're just going to stay in the music room playing piano your whole entire high school career. And then after that, we got a name. As uh, before, the, while they were deciding a name, Honika decides to set up like a little uh, suggestion box, you know, like, hey, help us name our school idol group. And they got one, but it was the one, the one that they need. Our name? Use. No, no, it's Muse. For your hair? No, not Moose. Muse. The, the Greek the Greek letter. They were looking at it like, man, someone's really bad at spelling the letter U. Yeah. <laughs> Why is there an extra tail in front of it? <laughs> but no, Muse, named after the Greek goddesses of the arts and proclaimer of heroes. Heroes like Hercules. Honey, you mean Hercules! But no, uh, Muse, this was actually a name originally decided by the fans. That was one of the choices, and then they all voted for that. And now the group from the first Love Live generation is officially known as Muse. I don't know, I still, th- I still think the other Greek name of Hecaton Kyries would be even better. <laughs> oh, that sounds great. Yeah, it just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Because <laughs> they're gonna... Because they're giants in a figurative sense, and they're gonna crush the competition. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Though, uh, by the way, I actually do have uh, the list of other names that were choices. So, I'll read them up here. One of them was called uh, Otonokizaka Noneto. Another one was... Live Star, another one was Little Diamond, and uh, get ready for this one, Otonoki Zaika Idol Club. I think we picked the right choice here. <laughs> Sometimes it's good to just crowdsource a name. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe they thought of Muse, but then they thought, oh, well, what else do we got? Like, I like this one, but uh, let's let's get the fans a little something here. 
Thank God they didn't put it. Thank God they didn't like source the name online because you just know people would be suggesting shit like gushing granny and yes. like <laughs> some Nazi adjacent shit. Yes. <laughs> Like, every fucking online poll and it, like, devolves into. Like, the people who decide the name of, like, uh, uh, plows in, like, the state of Minnesota. Right. Plowy McPlow face. Yeah. <laughs> Idle McIdol faces. <laughs> well, like, the, the whole list of suggestions they had here, it feels kind of like uh, WWE when they did their uh, Cyber Sunday, Taboo Tuesday pay-per-views where the fans get to vote on, like, stipulation of matches. It's like, you get three crap choices, and then you get, like, one obvious one. And 90% of the time, they go for the obvious one. <laughs> and I was like, uh, who wants to, who do you want to see wrestle Jeff Hardy tonight? Evan Bourne or Mason Ryan? Well, obviously, it's going to be, oh, Mason Ryan. Oh, okay. <laughs> Eventually, uh, Maki, we kind of go back to her. And uh, even though she refused Honoka earlier, she can't help but feel charmed by her. Like, you know, just the way her presence just has like that thing that just draws you into her no matter what she's telling you. In fact, like, she can't stop thinking about them. In fact, she goes to, uh, check in on the girls during one of their practices one time just to see, like, how hard they're working. And in the end, she actually does compose music for them. Secretly, of course, you know, she doesn't want to, like, outright say she helped them, but uh, she does compose music for their first song. And she even gives them their first vote, which puts uh, Muse on the school idol rankings, you know, opting for a more discreet approach with their support here, which is very nice. And then this leads us to the moment of truth, the, the third episode of the series, which is freaking legendary. Like, this is what changed the game for Love Live. I mean, legendary for Love Live fans. Yeah. Because <laughs> I do I do agree that this is, I think, the point that is... This is, like, this is episode three. So this is, like, the point that I think really does make or break, like, whether or not you were going to uh, watch any further for the show. Yeah, like, and good on Love Live for following the, uh, you know, the three-episode rule for anime. You know, you get, like, a, the first episode sets up the conflict. Second episode builds up to stuff. And then the third episode is, like your make-or-break time. Like, this is what sells you on keeping going. Yeah, they were smart enough to handle that kind of pacing. And they do it exceptionally well. So, Honoka, Umi, and Katori are putting everything to make uh, their first concert a big success. And we are just seeing their hard work on full display right here. Just, like, constant training, you know, before and after school. Wishing to, like, make hope that this goes well. Getting support from, like, all different students and, like, their families, too. Like, it's just, it's all building up here. And, you know, Maki, she's still taking an interest in them, checking in on their practices. There's even, like, a cute moment where she walks by one of their posters advertising the concert, and she gives it, like, a little nice smile. And also, another person that's showing a major interest in them is uh, first-year Haneo Koizumi. You know, she's very she's very much interested in idols, but, like, doesn't seem very confident to, like, actually outright say it. And, of course, we get more moments of Umi trying to overcome her shyness right here because, like, this is all the big build-up. That's one of the things I really like about her in general. Like, she seems very stern, serious, has it all together. But it's, like, mostly around her friends when deep down she's very, like, shy and nervous. Which is especially funny because considering the music videos prior to the series coming out, in the music videos she was portrayed as very cutesy and flirty, like, always winking and blowing kisses during the songs. (laughs) So it's, like... We get to see, like, the origin of how she gains that confidence there. Yeah, a bit of a, bit of a, yeah, major difference from how she was portrayed before. And that's mostly the case for the entire series, like, uh, seeing the girls of Muse grow into the personalities we saw from them in the music videos, or explaining why they act a certain way in the music videos, but act another way outside of the music videos. And also, I, I gotta shout out the, uh, the three friends that help out, uh, Muse here, uh, Hideko, Fumiko, and Mika, 
played here by uh, Mela Lee, Natalie Hoover, Ryan Bartley in English, and Marie Miyake, Nozomi Yamamoto, and Sayuri Hara in Japanese, respectively. Like, these three girls, they're the perfect sidekicks, and I love how every Love Live generation has their own version of, like, the three sidekick girls. More more like stagehands, really. Yeah, say, that's yeah. what they are. <laughs> yeah, like, they're just there to, like... You always need other... You always need other people to help put on these performances to, like, handle the stagecraft and the lighting and the acoustics and all that stuff. Yeah, and, and in uh, later generations, they're there to kind of gather up, like, all the rest of the student body to help out, too, to, like, direct people to, like, concerts and stuff like that. They're... They're pretty much the unsung heroes of, like, each group going forward. The henchmen. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Of the Love Live crews. Like, they're like the Love Live version of Biggs and Wedge in Final Fantasy. Like, they're always there. They're always, like, a staple of, like, each series always joining in no matter what. So, uh, Haneo, she wants to go to the concert, but her friend, Rin Hoshizora, drags her along to check out some of the other clubs here, too. So, like, she's desperate to go, but, like, she can't make it inside, so, like, there's a bit of a conflict there. So... We get a big moment here, like a moment that overall, from like this moment on to the end of the third episode, really, really sold me on Love Life. It was a moment that made me realize this series would be super special. So we have Honoka, Umi, and Katori there behind the curtain, getting ready for the reconcert, trying to psych themselves up. Then curtain opens up, pan around from like, you know, we're facing Honoka, we pan around to like her POV. We see an empty auditorium. No one showed up for their concert. It's a very well pulled off moment. I, I love it. Like, just, I love how the music stops for a second for a beat. And then we just get the little piano. Ding. Ding. It really hits, the, it really digs in, digs the knife in in that moment. Yeah, like, <laughs> I was Nobody not, came to see them. No, no one came. And it's like, it's like. That, that's not how that works. Like, everyone shows up to the first concert. Like, everyone showed up to the first concert in K-On! Like, what, what, what's going on here? What's what's wrong? This ain't your, this ain't your regular school idol anime. This ain't your daddy's this ain't, music this anime. This ain't your K-On! <laughs> <laughs> well, like, in the real world, people don't fucking care about people you. People don't give a shit about you. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting this at all, and, like, the first time I saw this, my heart actually sank. Like, I remember going going all like... Like, this was my exact reaction when, when I saw the empty auditorium. I was all like, oh, no. Like, I was like, no, no, no. This can't happen. How is this happening? And they really sell the disappointment in the characters' faces and their tone of voice. Right? It's so good. Like, you can tell how heartbroken they are by this. Just the look on their faces, the flashbacks to, like, all of the hard work they were doing up until to, up to that point. Honoka trying to keep it together like she looks like she really wants to cry but she's like oh well that's just how it is it's show business <laughs> until Hanio arrives in the nick of time she managed to get away from Rin and then we see one person Honoka's all like we're doing it anyway let's go and we get our first major muse song start dash
this song is so good. It definitely sounds like a first start for like a singing group for the, like this too. Yeah, it's the perfect first song for like this group. And like like I said, this is the moment that truly sold me on Love Live. Like this determination, this perseverance, like in spite of everything, like performing when we only have like a one person in the audience. And just like, I was like, yes, go for it. I'm supporting you every step of the way from now on. I mean, establishing your underdog, establishing your group as underdogs, always a strong first start. And man, they, they sell this, they sell this underdog story here real well. Yeah. This is why, this is why we say that episode three is like, it's, it's going to decide whether or not you're going to watch any more of the series. Yes, exactly. Like if you're not sold on like these three girls beginning their journey to try and be big idol stars after a disastrous debut, then it may just not be the series for you. Right, right. And it's also something that uh, each Love Live generation would go to. Like, each group would always have, like, their big, like, shocking moment of defeat. But then they turn it around and turn it into a big success. Like, that's always, like, their big step zero to one moment. I'm always impressed with how they manage to, like, find new spins to, like, sell those moments, too. Yeah, they always manage to. It sort of becomes a regular thing in the series, but you're... They always know how to pull them off right. Like, even in the season where, like, they're all solo acts and, like, they're already established an established group like st they still managed to like give us that big moment like it's still so good and also start dash in general is like it's definitely one of the quintessential muse songs in my opinion one of the classics you know it's it's like i want a song that shows people what muse is all about like you're either going to show them this uh wa ima no nakade or a uh, certain song that we'll get to in season two like those three in general are ones you show people to like show them what the songs of love live are all about and honika vowing to Never give up. You know, she wants to fill this entire auditorium in the future. She and her friends will succeed. You know, she's she's the John Cena of school idols. Never give up. Hustle, loyalty, respect. And if you think of these first couple of episodes as like a prologue to the series, this is truly where the Muse era of Love Live begins. This is truly the beginning of everything. We can't usher in this new era with three members alone. We gotta start adding to our ranks right here, which is... Uh, we start we start the uh, the trend that we will see in uh, future generations of gathering up all the members of our crew right here. So it's time to shine a spotlight on some of these new girls that we've uh, been seeing. So first up is Haneo Koizumi, played here in English by Xanthi Wynn and uh, Yurika Kubo, aka Shikako, in Japanese. So a little spotlight on uh, Shikako here. Her nickname actually comes from being. Uh, comes from the fact that she's from Nara, and Nara's known for its deer, and Shika means deer. So uh, her friends actually associated her with the deer, so that's how she got the nickname uh, Shikako. Oh, that's cute. And uh, in fact, and uh, she actually started off her career as a fashion model back in uh, 2002. And uh, in 2008, she would continue modeling, but this time she would be a gravure model working under the name Yurika Narahara. And... Uh, Ooh, steamy. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I looked up some of her work for research. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's very spicy. <laughs> like, you know, little NSFW, but, uh, you, but, you know, still clean enough. But, you know, she's, she's very, very pretty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe you should uh, show me some of these later. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, I, I, I should do some further research for the next episode myself. Yeah, uh, Yurika Narahara. Look that up uh, in incognito mode. <laughs> <laughs> you can find things. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's still a pretty cool pass, though. Yeah, definitely. 
And also a little fun fact here, she is officially the tallest member of Muse, standing at five foot four inches. Five foot four inches? Yeah. <laughs> you say tall, but... <laughs> like, out of all nine of them, she is the tallest. <laughs> at five foot four. Wow. I we are taller that. than her. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait until you see here who the shortest is. If you stacked, like, both of Love Live and, like, us into, like, human robots, <laughs> shoulder on shoulder, we'd probably be taller. <laughs> like fucking Voltron, I'll form the head. <laughs> we would be we would be evenly matched ch- in, in a chicken fight. Yeah. <laughs> and also, uh, another fun fact about her, uh, she's uh, very flexible, as she's very uh, tall and, and uh, slender. Like, I found a video of her actually fitting inside of a large backpack. Like, she's inside of it, and then she, like, pulls her way out. Why is that something anyone would do? Yeah, why? <laughs> to show off. <laughs> watch, you can. F- yeah, watch, you can fit me into a whole suitcase. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> why, why? Why would we need to know that? That's yeah, good in case we ever need to smuggle you out of the country. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's, that, you know what? As much as I joke about it, that would actually be a cool parlor trick. Yeah. <laughs> a little trick to show at parties. Yeah. <laughs> I love weird little talents like that. Just. You never would you never would guess like how how would you even figure that out? <laughs> Want to watch me fit both of my fists into my you mouth? Know, <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to say this now, if not for a certain other character in the series, Haneo, she would totally be my favorite muse girl. Like she has the makings of a, of a uh, slice of life anime girl that I would love. Like you know, she's cute, wears glasses, very shy, but she's got like a lot of that determination and all of that spirit and, like, love of the things, like, she's very much into. Like, I love the passion that she has. But certain other character comes around, wins me over. But if not for her, Haneo would totally be my favorite. In fact, I am planning on, on uh, cosplaying her at Detour. Hey, nice. Yeah. You know, it does, it does kind of warm my heart to see that even after all these years, you're still cosplaying these old characters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these. I would, I actually, you know, other people would maybe expect you to do like more like current stuff, like out of like the more current seasons of Love yeah, Live. Yeah, I, I like cosplay a member of Liella as opposed to Muse. It's nice to see that you still keep these ideas going. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, but uh, around this time, we get like uh, another staple of Love Live. Uh, alpacas! We get to see the, the school alpacas. Oh, these alpacas are cool. They're so cute and fluffy. What are their names? Ah, uh, they don't have names. They're kind of known as, like, the white one and the brown one. <laughs> <laughs> Just the fact that the school keeps alpacas around, that's pretty sick. Why alpacas, though? Like, out of all of the animals in the world, why these? Yeah, because they can be pretty grody animals. I mean, yeah, like, they're, they're, they're fluffier than, like, llamas. But, like, they still spit as as often as llamas, though. Yeah, and we do see that in this series. <laughs> but, no, they're they're very, very cute. I love how the white one is, like, all, like, you know, is all very pretty, and, like, the brown one is, like, looks very angry all the time. <laughs> <laughs> the white one is the one that, like, always comes in for pets and treats at the petting zoo. The brown one is the one that, like, charges at people all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Like, uh, there's even, in this bit right here, Katori's just, like, hugging the white one, and then gets, like, licked on the face, and then Umi freaks out, and she's like, uh, oh, what do I do? Uh, I'll, oh, I'll go get my bow, and then the brown one just starts growling at her. <laughs> uh, but then we see that, uh, Haneo, she's, uh, helps take care of the alpacas, you know, feeds them and gives them water and everything, so it's very cute. She's, uh, she's the alpaca whisperer. <laughs> and it's around this time we start learning more about Haneo. She's very much interested in Muse and is strongly considering wanting to join them. We then meet uh, her friend right here. We get to know more about her friend, 
Rin Hoshizora. As uh, in English, she's played here by Faye Mata. And in Japanese, she's played here by Riho Aida, a.k.a. Rippy. So a little background on her as uh, Rippy. She has a pretty similar backstory to uh, Shikako as uh, she started off as a model when she was uh, younger, too. In fact, she started in 2003, so one year after Shikako started. Oh, nice. I like some of those similarities. And uh, she also did follow a similar career path to uh, Shikako as well when it comes to modeling, so some spicy stuff here and there. <laughs> Though I did I did specifically find one clip where it's from like one of the uh, the DVDs that she did where she's like on a beach in a bikini and she's actually dancing to like one of the uh, Love Life songs, like doing the full dance to like the... Uh, third Muse single on a beach. <laughs> and Rippy, she actually began her music career prior to Love Live. She started in 2007 with a uh, with a single at the time. And she's also officially the youngest member of Muse as she was born in 1991, as uh, all the other girls that were born in the uh, late 80s. Hmm. And she's pretty much the baby of the group as everyone just loves her and thinks she's very cute. <laughs> like, I remember hearing a story where, like, uh, during a Q&A event, uh, one of the members was asked something to the effect of... Uh, if you could scream something at the top of your lungs to the ocean, what would it be? And then one of them said, Rippy, why are you so cute? <laughs> and then it just devolved into everyone just talking and agreeing that she's the cutest, much to her embarrassment. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. <laughs> it's a very nice question to answer honestly, too, because I, I, I don't. I, it would be hard for me to answer that one seriously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably just yell out like Moby Dick. I am I'm coming for you. <laughs> I want to hear Peggy Ten rap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and also, uh, since uh, Reen, her very, her character is very much is like she acts like a cat. Like she says "nyan," she makes like little cat faces and like little cat hands. Uh, Rippy, you can actually find pictures of her doing like a, a cat face smile, like making like cat lips with her mouth. <laughs> but uh, Reen, in general. She is the greatest best friend ever. Like, I love her and Haneo's relationship so much. Like, it's my favorite in all of Love Live. Ah, uh, they're a delight. They're they really are. so fucking cute together. <laughs> <laughs> they're so cute, it fucking hurts. <laughs> and also, Rippy and Shikiko, they are actually very close friends in real life. Not because of, like, not just because of their characters, but also, of, like, their shared modeling careers. So, like, they're very, they're both very fami familiar with, like, uh, their career paths and stuff. Yeah, similar life experiences. And we get early hints of uh, Reen's overall character as, uh, you know, she's very cute, but she lacks confidence in her appearance, you know. She feels she can't be girly because whenever she tried when she was younger, she'd always get made fun of for it. Like, we get the little flashback where she wears the skirt to elementary school and all the boys start making fun of her, saying, like, uh, you used to wear pants, what the hell is wrong with you? This bit of her character comes back in a big way in season two, so hang on to that. Yeah, Rin's gonna be on the burner for a bit. And it's like, you know, she's talking about how she's not so cute and girly, and I'm, and I'm all like, Reen, you act like a cat, of course you're cute. <laughs> you end your sentences with nya, which is funny, because in in the kayfabe of Love Live, Reen is meant to be allergic to cats, and she also hates fish. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, I, I like the little detail there. Yeah, that's cute. So uh, later, Hania goes to Maki's house to return her uh, student ID book that uh, she saw her drop after uh, looking at a Muse poster. We get the opportunity to spotlight Maki Nishikino. Played here in English by Caitlin Glass and in Japanese by Pyle. Uh, more on her is that she was born Eriko Hori, but uh, she performs under the name Pyle, which is a reference to uh, material used for uh, towels. Uh, the meaning of her stage name is uh, Wrapped in Warmth, an artist who, that will be loved by everyone, so that's why she went with that. 
as a kid, she wanted to be a singer and a ballerina. She's a very skilled dancer, as she knows, uh, ballet, jazz dance, hip-hop, and uh, cheer. And she began her career in 2005 working as an actor for a bunch of different uh, TV dramas and movies. So she was started off as a, an on-camera actor. And then eventually she started her singing career in 2007 with the single You're Is All. And also, uh, she's actually half Japanese and half Korean. Uh, Japanese father, Korean mother. Oh, and uh, yeah, she's also very uh, fluent in Korean as well, so like she's definitely goes back and forth visiting family between both countries. Oh, that's cool. And uh, in real life, her personality, like, think of Maki's personality, and then think of the exact opposite of that. That is Pyle. <laughs> <laughs> like, very much like an extrovert, like just always very girly, very Garu style, like everything. Like, you see her Instagram, it's just nothing but pictures of like her food, her clothes, and her dog. <laughs> To be fair, I don't expect most actors to be, like, their characters in shows. Yeah, very true. But, like, in this case, a lot of people take note of that, and it's all like, wow, you are nothing like your character at all. <laughs> like, what, you expected me to be thorny in real life? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you expect me to Nobody twirl ex- my hair in real life? Nobody expects that kid who played Joffrey to be, like, an actual monster in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody expects Biff Tan, the guy who played Biff Tannen, to be an actual bully. Yeah. <laughs> Calling people butthead all the time. <laughs> I only bring up those two because, like, those are all, those are two people in particular that, like, always try to, like, be really nice in, like, real life to yeah. <laughs> defeat the image they portray. Yeah, like, they're the biggest assholes in movies, but it's, like, they're really lovely in real life. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Maki, we find out that her family are a bunch of super rich doctors. Like, she lives in a big house and everything, and that her father and mother both, like, work at their own family-run hospital. And uh, Maki, she's pretty much uh, next in line to uh, take over the family business. So it's like, okay... Poor little rich girl here. <laughs> yeah. My, my, my heart bleeds for you, you top one percenter. <laughs> and uh, according to her mother, Maki, she hasn't really made much friends since starting high school. And, you know, we find out that uh, she loves music deeply. We see that she has, like, a ton of, like, trophies from, like, piano recitals all around the room here. But she feels that her future is with medicine. Like, that's all she needs to focus on. Like, she can't really have fun with music going forward because it's not part of the family business. So that's why she doesn't want to join Muse, despite the fact that Hanio says she would be perfect. Like, she's got a great singing voice, she's got a great look, like, why not be a school idol? But, on the flip side, Maki thinks Hanio would make for a great idol, and even promises to support her any way she can. So, again, like, like with before, she's, she really does care about this kind of stuff, but she has a tough time expressing her feelings, but she's there to, like, give you a hand whenever you need one. Right, right. The, the idol lifestyle does not come naturally to everyone. And also, it's very clear that Maki really wants Hanio to be her friend. Like, you know, doesn't have any friends right now, but then this sweet girl comes to her house, returns her notebook, says she really loves her singing, and it's like, she really wants to look out for her now, so, like, it's very sweet. So, afterwards, Hanio then finds her way to Honoko's family's uh, sweet shops, and then uh, bumps into, like, a series of awkward situations right here. Like, you know, she goes into the store, she just wants to pick up something, then she sees Honoka's there, and then Honoka just invites her into her place. And then she's trying to find her room, opens up a door, sees Honoka's sister Yukiho pressing her chest together <laughs> in a mirror, and she's like, nope. Goes to another door, sees Umi dancing around, pl- practicing idol poses, co- closes the door again. They both pop out, and they're like, what did you see? <laughs> like, I thought that was one. Ah, uh, poor girl can't catch a break here. <laughs> uh, but then we find out that uh, someone filmed their uh, Stark Dash performance and posted it online right here. 
So, like, now people are starting to take more note of Muse right here, and I do like that we get a shot of Haneo really intensely studying this music video just to give you a little hint as to how passionate she is for idols in this moment right here. And then the series actually then gets over the appeal of school idols over professional idols. And it's also a reason why I love this series and why I prefer it over something like Idol Master, which, don't forget, is m-m-m-mid. Like, it's the fact that these girls, these school idols, they aren't doing this professionally. They're not perfect. They have their own individual quirks that keep them from being perfect. But that's alright. That's part of the charm. Like, they give it their all in spite of that because they truly love what they're doing and it make and they make it work in the end. Yeah, it helps to ground the experience. Like you're like we we're, it's not adults dealing with like adult bullshit. It's like <laughs> it's just teenagers and that's that's more sellable. <laughs> yeah. Like it's not a job. They are doing this because it's fun. They are doing this of their own volition right here. Yeah, they don't have to worry about paying bills or anything <laughs> or like Drug addiction. <laughs> or shitty managers. Yeah, like, no managers, no agencies, none of the real-world stigma associated No terrible with fans. No shitty asshole fans. <laughs> that's a big... That's a big part of this, is that, like, any fan interaction mostly just comes from, like, within the, the school environment. Yeah, the school, and it's all very wholesome. Across the entire series. It's all very wholesome. It's just like, can, you, can I have an autograph? Can I have a picture? It's not like... Don't be fucking dating this other person. You're, you're my wifey. Yeah, this, this series very gracefully steps over uh, the, the darker aspect of idol fans. It's just girls having fun, singing and dancing, and that fun is very contagious. Like, that is the number one charm and appeal of Love Live. Don't get me wrong, I adore the real-world aspect of Love Live, and I'll talk more about that next time. But even then, even though they are real-deal professional idols, they still manage to bring that fun feeling every time they're doing their concerts you know it's it's what makes love life special and not just another idol master or an akb 48 and uh so yeah that's why i love love life and anyway and in general since the fact that we met all the first years here i gotta say collectively as a group i i love the first years of muse like all three of them are really great and i love their character arcs for each of each of them both this season and next season we get, like, these little shots of them, like, we get a little montage of them at, at this point in the episode, and we see that, you know, Maki, she's watching Star Dash, she's uh, really thinking about possibly joining because she wants to make friends, but she's just such an awkward mess, she can't express herself. Then we cut to a shot of Rain, she's trying on a cute dress, looking at herself in the mirror, but she's all alone in her room, all the lights are off, she wants to be cute and girly, but she lacks the confidence in her appearance to do so. Then we cut to Haneo, she's looking at an old picture of herself as a little girl singing as an idol. She loves idols dearly, but she's unsure of herself becoming becoming one. Like, it's all good stuff right here. The calling is within all of them. They just need to burn it. They just need a little push. And all of this leads to a great moment where both Maki and Rin try to boost Hanio's confidence and try to convince her to join Muse. Like, they both want to help her because they care about her and think she's a perfect idol. But you can also see it as them living vicariously through her. You know, Haneo is cute and girly, like Rin wants to be. She's also the kind of person that everyone wants to be her friend, like Maki wants to be. So, like, they want to help her, but in turn, that'll also help them, too, because, like, all of this leads them back to Muse. Like, the whole scene where, like, they're just dragging her 
towards uh, the other girls. It's strong writing to see that like they 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 have they see something that they want in other people that like causes causes them to become friends with others. There's something about themselves that they want to change for the better that they can find in friendship with others. That's strong. And I will splice you in uh, the bit of Haneo joining and just listen to what Reen and Maki are saying and imagine them wanting to say that to themselves here. So, yeah. So you're saying she wants to become a member? Yeah. For as long as I've known her, Kaiochen has always wanted to be an idol. Yeah, but all that's irrelevant. This girl has a decent singing voice. What do you mean it's irrelevant? It means not pertinent? Um, but I still don't know if... Alright, it's time for you to decide now. You've gotta go for it. I agree. If you really want to do something, then you definitely should. But you said... Projecting is easy, like we practiced earlier. I know that you can do this. Now's your chance! Becoming an idol is all you've ever wanted! Don't miss out on it! You're right, Reen. And you too. You've got this, and I'll always stick by you. And don't forget, I said I'd help you out if I can. My name is Koizumi. <laughs> Hello, my name is Hanayo Koizumi. I'm a first year, I'm kind of short, and I'm pretty quiet. I'm also shy, and I'm not particularly good at anything. But... With all my heart that I want to be an idol more than anything! Please, accept me as a member of Muse! Looking forward to it. Glad to have you! Mistaken. What about you two? Uh, what are you guys gonna do? Huh? What, what are, are we, we gonna, gonna do? do? Huh? You know, we are still looking to recruit a few more members for our group. <sighs> so and so, the first years are full-fledged members of Muse. And also we see that uh, Haneo has uh, ditched her glasses as, uh, you know, not covering her face anymore. She's showing that confidence now. And we're also all on a uh, first-name basis right here to show uh, real closeness here, which is great. Then... Oh, shit. Is it time? I think it's time. Time to be introduced to you-know-who. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> a character who managed to transcend Love Live as a whole. <laughs> <laughs> so, first off, the opening scene to uh, episode 5 here is great. Like, we cut to... Uh, Honoka and Katori, they're practicing at a nearby shrine. And you just see this one girl just, like, spying on them. You know, peeking behind a corner. Honoka goes to, uh, look. She runs towards the corner. Gets tripped up. Then you see, like, a very intense close-up on Honoka's face. You think she's gonna get punched. And then you just see little hand pop out. 
flick in the face, and then <laughs> Annika's just knocked out, and then you just see the pigtail girl from from before just saying, like, better disband your group, you girls suck. It begins. She, like, just runs off, and it's like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> and then we just get more of this one girl just popping in and out anytime Muse is doing something, and just doing something stupid and shitty to them. Like, there's a bit where they're all at, like, a restaurant, and she's just nearby stealing their fries and trying to steal the burgers, too. And she's, like, listening in on them and about, like, their plans and about how they're going to practice and whatnot. She's very she's very interested, very sneaky. <laughs> also, she's wearing a disguise that makes her look like a poop head. Like, she has this hat that looks like a pink Digimon turd on. Yeah, she looks way too conspicuous. <laughs> And all while this is happening, Muse is trying to look for a club room, and Honoka, she completely forgot that they could apply for one now. Now that they have six members, you need five, and now you have six. All the time, this girl is just, like, swiping their fries while they're not looking. (laughs) (laughs) Which leads to a great bit for, like, after Honoka is all like, oh, yeah, we can get a club room now. Ha, I feel better. Turns around, sees, like, a hand grabbing her burger, like, underneath, like, a little, uh, uh, partition. A barrier. Yep. They're like, what's going on? And then the hand slowly puts it back, sneaks away, and then just <laughs> walks away. And he's like, hey, what the hell are you doing? And he's like, I told you to disband. He's like, that's not important. Why did you steal my fries? <laughs> he's like, I want them back. And then the girl's all like, uh, grab it, grab it. She just like opens her mouth. <laughs> and then just, she just runs out and like all the kids are all like, ah, poop it. <laughs> and that's when I realized, and that's, and that's when I... That's when I came to the conclusion, oh, this is some Looney Tunes crap that I'm going to love this character for. <laughs> like, is she going to be best girl to me? Let's see. <laughs> so the girls, they want a club room. They apply for one, but they can't get it as there's already an idol club in school. So uh, they decide, like, okay, what if we convince the person who runs the idol club to combine both of them and that we can work together? And the president of said club is none other than the pigtailed girl. Ladies, gentlemen, and MBs, this is Nico Yazawa, played here by Erica Mendez in English and Sora Takui, aka Soromaru, in Japanese. So, spotlight on Soromaru, as uh, she got her start after uh, graduating from uh, Dewango Creative School, which is a voice acting vocalist training school. And uh, she is a massive fan of Neon Genesis Evangelion. And credits, uh, credits uh, Asuka Seiyu, Yuko Miyamura, as her inspiration for getting into acting. Like, she's also even uh, cosplayed Asuka numerous times. You can find, like, uh, pic- pictures of her in, like, the school uniform and even in the uh, the plug suit as well. I wonder if she's ever uh, auditioned for, like, any of the later Evangelion works. Oh, that'd be good. Like, I know she went to the, uh, the movie screening of, like, the final film. But, like, oh, it'd be great if she was actually cast in it. Mmm... Said it's sad. To, it's sad to know that that those opportunities might be gone. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she actually got her big break along with Mimarine, as she was also part of uh, Milky Homes. In fact, ever since then, they've been super close friends because of that. Like you see them together, like they are pretty much intertwined with each other. <laughs> but now it's time to talk about her character. Time to talk about Nico. What do we got here? <laughs> I mean, what can you say about Nico? Um... <laughs> She is petty. <laughs> she she is very demanding. She's very um, accusatory. She feels like she has a lot to prove all the time. Uh, loves idle stuff to a ridiculous degree. She's like, the biggest fangirl. Like her whole club room is just 
packed with like idol merch to the point that where there's just boxes and boxes of stuff of crap all around her room. A perfectionist. She certainly feels the most like she's she feels the most ingratiated in the idol culture than of any of the other cast members. And as such, she's the one character that kind of knows how this whole game is played. <laughs> she knows the idol look, the act. <laughs> she knows how interviews go. She knows how performances go. And it's and she obsesses over this to the fact that she even has like her own gimmicks that she is like invented for herself. Like she is an idol's idol right here. She's like a true otaku for this stuff. And the funny thing is, like, when I first saw this at the time, I used to hate Nico because I saw her and I thought she is a total shitlord. Yeah, she's a dork. She really is. But now, years later, I'm just all like, I love Nico because she's a total shitlord. <laughs> like, she's so fucking funny. Like, I tend to crack up anytime she's on screen. Like, I've grown to appreciate her so much over the years. Not only because she's funny, but also because of that passion, that love of idols is undeniable and also completely desirable too yeah she she's very admirable for how uh how much she loves the how much she loves idols and how much good she thinks that they can put in the world but it also makes her into like a perfectionist dork that nitpicks everything (laughs) and always and she's always trying to put herself on a pedestal and show like how she's the most professional one but like she she's always got trouble maintaining that image and nobody nobody in the group takes her seriously like she's a total trash gremlin and i love how because of her every subsequent love light generation has their own trash gremlin member (laughs) and it's like she's kind of like the donald duck of the group like always arrogant full of herself but also prone to losing her temper too and i and i love that (laughs) (laughs) i love daffy duck and i love my gremlins and also uh it's especially helped by the performances of both soromaru and erica mendez like, especially Soromaru, like, I've grown to love her as a seiyu as well, because I think, in general, she's super funny and also very super charismatic, too. Oh, yeah, she's a delight. Like, find any clips of her online just goofing around, and it's always great. Like, there's... I remember seeing a clip of her, like, it's at this one stage show or whatever, she's carrying a bunch of boxes, and then she trips and, like, drops them all, and then she just overreacts and starts going, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, she she's at least got the co- the the real world comedy bits down. Yeah. <laughs> and a uh, fun fact about uh, Soromaru is that uh, Christina Valenzuela plays Katori. She actually got to meet her at a con uh, years ago after being cast in Love Live, and again, and you can actually find a picture of the two of them together online. And she actually did her uh, Katori vo- voice for her, and she and uh, Sora thought it was really cute. Oh, how nice that those two actually met. <laughs> And also, uh, one of the pieces of merch I want to talk about that she has here is the this legendary Idol Legend DVD that Hanio obsesses over, which which is pretty great. Like this leads to Hanio showing like this obsessive side of her that she's never shown before. Yeah, Hanio has a bit of a has a bit of a geeky side to herself as well, but like she's a lot more reserved about it. Nico is loud and proud, <laughs> uh, a huge Idol geek. <laughs> and then we get it. We get. The catchphrase. Fucking splicey in. All right. Pay attention. Nico Nico How make your heart go, Nico Nico Hi there, I'm Nico Nico Yazawa. Don't forget Nico Ni, because I'm Nico Need You. Get it? Wow. 
You mean we're... So that's a persona. Yeah, not doing it. Isn't that really pretty lame? Nico, Nico. I'm sorry, what was that? Did you call me lame? Uh, no! It was really, really cute! The best character ever! Maybe it could work! At the very least, it's true that we have to work harder to please the audience. Well, I expected nothing less from you, Nico senpai Alright, I can do that. No problem! Get out now! Huh? Good talk, uh, we're all through here! Now get out and don't come back! Years of practice this girl has put into this. <laughs> This catchphrase, this fucking catchphrase is amazing. It's a, it's a delightful catchphrase. <laughs> no one else in the group really, like, actually thinks about making themselves a catchphrase. <laughs> Nico is the only one who actually thinks about this bullcrap. And I, I love the reaction where they're like, some of them are just, like, surprised and stunned. And then you cut to, like, Maki and she's like, I'm not doing that. And then Reen's all like, sounds kind of lame, don't you think? And then Hanio's just all like, write that down, write that down, write that down. <laughs> This catchphrase, this catchphrase has managed to find life beyond Love Live. Like, even if you don't know Love Live, you know Nico Nico Ni. Like, you can find so many memes and remixes of this one. Bit. Yeah, from the early days, it was probably the most memeable line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, there's even a pro wrestler who is currently in WWE, uh, Brennan Williams, Masse, when he was on the indies. He'd do, he'd do a move where it's like a, a running knee in the corner, and before he'd do it, he'd go, Nico, Nico, knee! <laughs> like, and then he'd actually knee his opponent. Yeah, like, he, he is also a big Love Life fan, and Nico is his favorite, so, like, obviously <laughs> he incorporated that into his skills. Nico, Nico, knee! Oh! And I got a question for you, and I will ask this again. In the next two parts as well. How many times do you think Nico Nico Ni was said in season one? Mmm, season one. So there's 13 episodes, and Nico first does it in episode five. Ooh, interesting. Now that you posed this question, I don't even want to count in the future ones <laughs> because I want to actually guess. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay, you, 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 got me, you got me on the spot here, which is good. Um... <laughs> I'm going to guess and say 23 times. Ooh, you went over. Oh, really? Yep. The answer is 15. Oh, 15. So, splicey in all the Nico knees in season one. One, one of the things I also love about her is I love how, like, doing this catchphrase right here, estab the anime establishes that Nico's cute, impish personality that was seen in the music videos and all the supplementary material up to this point was just all a gimmick. Like, before they portrayed that as, that's actually what she really is like, but the anime is all like, no, that's just a character she came up with, like, this is who she really is. <laughs> 
the fact that she's very touchy about that character she's invented as well. Yeah. <laughs> That's what makes her a delight. Yeah, like, even though she acts so haughty and conceited, like, deep down, like, she's also very, like, sensitive and, like, harbors, like, a deep love and appreciation for, like, everything she does. And it's, like, I can't help but admire that. Yeah, she's, like, the Joker of the group. <laughs> <laughs> and we get more of this in season two. Like, if you like what you see, see in season one, you'll love more from what we get in season two. Oh, yes, definitely. And also, uh, I will save this for the season two uh, part, but there is actually a kayfabe origin to Nico Nico Ni. Like, there is actually a reasoning behind it. Like, there's a story behind it. It'll all come into view eventually, yeah. dear listeners. I, I'm saving that for a special moment, and you'll know exactly why, and it may even surprise you. I guess we say all this because maybe some people would think uh, otherwise of Nico. Maybe, maybe... Maybe like maybe like uh, you, Mike. Uh, maybe at the time, maybe at this moment, when you're watching Love Live, you might think she's annoying too. <laughs> but uh, hey, just just hear us out. Like, there's a reason to all this. Yeah, a reason to Nico. Yeah, like no Nico hate around here. Like, we, there's a why to her. We we love and appreciate her. So just give her some time. And I love how they get her to join as well, where it's all like they just decide to like all go to her. You know, go into the club room, clean everything up, and just kind of like. Bring her into the group, you know? Like, she if you, she really wants to be an idol, and we're going to give her that chance, and I think it's very sweet. And it just makes sense, too. Like, why not just join our two groups together? Yeah. Like, whatever, Nico, you're the you're the, you're the the president now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they make her the president of the, the club itself. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> no, it's more of a title. Like, she has to go to budget meetings and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's very, it's very nice, and I love how as soon as she joins, the first thing she does is train everyone to do a Nico knee. <laughs> so yeah nico's in the gang and then this leads to uh one of our first silly episodes of the series where it starts off with like all of them trying to make like a documentary about the group you know doing interviews and stuff where we also have bits where like they completely sandbag nico she tries to like do her bit and then they just all ignore her well i like that she even ha- i like that she even has like a plan for like if she ever gets like interviewed about her real life she even has like a manufactured <laughs> real quotation marks version of herself as she will put out in the world where she takes her pigtails off and is like, hey, this is the real me. <laughs> I, like, I like long walks on the beach and I love Manju. <laughs> I'm really actually, I'm actually really reserved in real life. <laughs> and she puts off the mask and she's like, well, what do you think of that? <laughs> and then turns and like, everyone's just gone. <laughs> and yeah, get used to that running gag where like Nico does something and then everyone sandbags her. <laughs> And then this all leads to a big conflict here as we need to decide who gets to be the leader of the group and by extension, who is the center of the group. And at first it seems like Honoka is the leader, but then we realize compared to the others, she doesn't really do much. So like it's, t- and then it leads into like everyone deciding like, okay, we need a true leader. Who should it be? Well, it can't be a first year because they're too young. And Umi, uh, she's not really leader material. Katori, she's more of, like, a secondary leader. And then we just get this bit of, like, Nico going all like, well, if I must, I must. And then they just keep talking. And she's like, well, if I must, I must. And they keep talking. She pulls out a megaphone. If I, I must, must, I, I must. must. And then they still ignore her. <laughs> ah, the Nico bits. They just keep hitting. They're so good. <laughs> now, I guess we should maybe give some context. What do they mean by leader in this in this context? Someone who is the uh, center of the group, because in an idol... I mean, like, the band leader. Yep, someone who, like, uh, leads... Frontman. 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 That's the word. Yeah, whoever is 
front and center because like with uh, idol groups there was always that one person who takes charge and is the center of attention when it comes to the songs while the rest of the group provides support that's good to clarify yeah and uh, like uh, each of the songs like there's always like a center for like each of the songs too like they make sure to specify who is the center for each of the muse songs it's also literally the person who dances always towards the center yeah right in the middle and uh and yeah we also have like uh odd number of idols in this group so like one person has to be right in the middle not many even numbered idol groups out there are there no like eh, well there then again there is like nijigasaki they have 10 but then again they're all solo acts so it doesn't work there right (laughs) so then we get like a series of contests that nico comes up with deciding who gets to be the center where it's like who has the best karaoke score who has the best ddr score who can pass out the most flyers and like Nico tries to rig it in her favor, but it doesn't work. Like, everyone always manages to do better than she does. They'll try to, like, play games, and Nico just can't keep up with any of them. And we get, like, great bits where, like, she's just in the corner. She's all like, <laughs> what they don't know is is that I'm picking this, the easiest song to get a high score in karaoke. This is foolproof. And then she loses. I've practiced DDR three times a week for the past month. <laughs> no one can beat me. <laughs> Or, like, the bit where, like, they're passing out flyers to show who has the, uh, the most inviting aura, and she tries to do the Nico knee bit to, like, a random passerby, and then he just ignores her, and then she just goes to, like, almost rip his arm off. <laughs> she just grabs on, and she's like, Nico? And he's all like, you're hurting me. <laughs> I said Nico, Nico knee. <laughs> okay, fine, just take a flyer. <laughs> Here, here's my money, take it and go away. <laughs> So many good faces right here. Like, she is, like, the queen of, like, good anime faces. Yeah, Nigo could be a gangster. <laughs> <laughs> she could be Yakuza. She could totally, like, she's she's Mrs. Shakedown. <laughs> Beating up Kiryu, like, lurking around. <laughs> you say that, but someone's probably modded, like, Mr. Shakedown to look like Nico. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably happened somewhere. Oh my god, I'd love to see that. <laughs> Uh, but uh, at the end of all of this, it's uh, considered a draw, as uh, everyone in Muse excels in their own ways. And this is where they establish that uh, in Muse, there is no set center for their songs. Like, they always take turns depending on the song. And that is the norm for Love Life. Like, every song doesn't have the same center. Then again, having, like, one single center person, is that even a good strategy to have for an idol group in general? Not really. I feel that would get really boring. Yeah, it would get boring. Yeah, but, like, with this, you get more variety. Like, in the early days before the anime, you know, the first two songs, Honoka was the center, but then it was like, okay, Nico was the center for this song. And then after that, it's Katori. And then after that, it's Maki. Yeah, it just seems to make sense. And then it also plays in with the uh, audience participation. Like, fans get to vote on who their favorite is in a character poll, and then whoever wins gets to be the center for, like, the next big song. Yeah, popularity popularity polls, I I think, in the idol world just... It sounds like they really shouldn't matter. Like, everyone everyone is someone's best girl. So exactly. Like, why would you not, like, highlight any of them? Yeah. There are no scrappy-doos. No. The, <laughs> despite what Nico would make you think, there are no scrappy-doos in the world of idols. Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> and then we get our first PV. Uh, the song, uh, Kordikata no Someday.
I do like the song. I like. I mostly like the uh, Alice in Wonderland theming for this one right here. It's very cute. Although I imagine like the cost of those like bunny ears and stuff probably like really skyrocketed their budget. Yeah, and also the fact that they filmed this in the school, so they had to like uh, section off parts of the school, put up posters and everything for like the little dances. Very expensive club when you think about it. A little bit. Like, <laughs> yeah, what kind of budget? Look at the costumes. <laughs> Hey, you know, considering the fact that uh, the club room was full of, like, a bunch of Idol merch, you know, maybe the Idol Club actually has, like, a very deep budget, and now they're finally using it for something good. Maybe the club room was a former, formerly a sewing room. Ah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, by the way, in case you're wondering, like, you know, we get this song with the costumes with, like, seven members, there's actually nine members. In live shows, we actually do see costumes for the other two members, like, based on this. There's there's actually costumes for them. Oh, so even though they weren't introduced yet, they still, they still sort of get, like, grandfathered in with costumes of their own. Yep, and, like, they don't perform with them with this song, but then, but, like, uh, with concerts, it's like a set list, so they start off with one song, and then they just move on to the next one and the next one. So once they do this song, it's just with seven, and then the other two come in, they're dressed just the same as the other ones, and then they do the rest of the songs. Has there been any? Has there been any updated artwork of that? There is. Oh, that's good to see. Yeah, look it up. Uh, you can see that uh, one of the costumes matches uh, Honoka and Maki's look here, and then the other matches uh, Umi and Rin's. Oh, that's nice to see. Yeah, so it's very cool, and like uh, they use that as uh, some of the cards in the uh, the mobile game. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I remember when I first saw like the actual Seiyu in those outfits, I was all like, Ah, that's cool! I'm glad they did that. But after with the PV done, we find out that Love Live is coming up. Which leads to, like, a great bit at the start of the episode where Honoka's all like, The Love Live? Uh, what is that? Cue opening. <laughs> <laughs> like, a little timing joke there. I like. I like that one. So we finally learn about the actual Love Live competition within Love Live. Like, it's big idol tournament. You get, like, the top 20 idols in all of Japan. And then they compete to see who is the best. You know, who do the fans think is the idol amongst idols. Yeah, how... Yeah, is it just is it just like single like a simple single elimination kind of term, tournament thing? Yep, single elimination. We actually do see like the uh, the top twenty brackets. So and it's done very much like kind of a it's done in like a March Madness kind of thing. So like uh, I think it's like a round. You have two idols com- like uh, compete against each other, and then judges or fans vote to see who is the best and who gets to move on. Judges or fans? Judges or fans? Like it's very much depending on the season. Hmm. Like some, I think in this season it's judges. And then in later seasons, it becomes, like, fan vote. Hmm, I see. Because I know they do change, like, uh, the Love Live uh, tournament gimmick as time goes on. Right, right. And uh, I loved Haneo getting super hyped over this. Like, she just comes running into the room. She opens up the computer, and she's, like, showing off Love Live. And she's all like, oh, I can't wait. I hope to get tickets. I hope to buy some swag when it comes out. <laughs> and uh, I'm with Reen here. I love when she's acting like this. I love this new person here. <laughs> Haneo going from like a shy reserved girl to being like super hyped and passionate about the things she loves kind of reminds me of uh the character Himari in Kira Kira Pretty Cure you know like at first you think like oh she's a very shy demure girl but like get her talking about sweets she'll talk your ear off like I love characters <laughs> like that those little yeah she's got that cute little obsession with hers that just gets her going yeah like very relatable because like you're listening to me talk about this like I'm I know you I'm can talk anyone's ear off about love yeah. life <laughs> I'm the same way with One Piece. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and also, uh, both Xanthi uh, and uh, Shikako deliver super cute performances for Haneo here. I especially love, in Japanese, Shikako, because like her uh, voice tends to crack during this moment right here. It's, it's very cute and charming. <laughs> of course I am! 
not miss it. When it comes to idols, she's a completely different person. Yeah, but I really like this different person. Oh, okay. I thought you meant we should work our butts off so we can enter the contest, too. <laughs> You've got to be kidding! This is way out of our league! There's just no way! Who in the world are you? Well, whoever she is, I sure do like her! <laughs> これはアイドルシンのこと一切見とですよ。見逃せません。アイドルのことだとキャラ変わるわよね。リーナこっちの彼氏も好きだよ。なんだ。私できる出場を目指して頑張ろうっていうのかと思った。うん。そうそうだ
But whenever she's acting up, Nozomi punishes her by grabbing her chest. That's not great. Yeah, it's a weird. Yeah, it's a weird joke for this first series. Really, really dumb and weird joke. And thankfully, they stop it after season one. Yeah, it doesn't really. I can see that one not catching on. No, and like uh, I talk about, whenever this comes up with amongst me and my other uh, love life friends, we all agree that this is a dumb joke. We don't like it, and I'm glad we're all glad that it's it never comes back. Like it got phased out. It got phased out, but like. I forgot how hard they go on it during these episodes in season one. Mm, yeah, it's kind of unfortunate. Yeah. But speaking of Nozomi, now that she's a bit more prevalent here, I think now's a good time to spotlight her seiyu as uh, Nozomi Tojo, played here by Laura Post in English, and Aina Kusuda, a.k.a. Kusun, in Japanese. So Kusun, ever since she was in uh, middle school, she wanted to be a voice actor. However, she thought it would be too overwhelming and impossible after she went to uh, see a speech by... Uh, Akira Kamiya, a.k.a. the voice of uh, Kenshiro in Fist of the North Star and uh, Mendo in OG uh, Ursa Yatsura. <laughs> but then, later on, she was inspired once again after seeing a stage performance by Junko Takeuchi, a.k.a. the voice of Naruto Uzumaki. Hey! So she inspired her to keep up with her dream. I'm wondering, uh, did she tell Kusun to believe it? <laughs> Tatsubayo? Ah, I yeah. wonder. <laughs> But Kusun, she kept reaching for her voice acting career, all while uh, working part-time at a maid cafe. So, like, you know, like, you have some of these girls working, like, uh, really crappy part-time jobs before actually making it big as idols here. (laughs) And eventually her hard work paid off, as uh, Love Live would be her big first major role as a idol and as a seiyu. Oh, good to hear. Yeah, like, I think I heard that she was on the verge of just giving up, but then Love Live came around and just practically saved her. Mm, Wow, impressive. Yeah. So then afterwards, Umi meets a girl listening to a Muse song waiting outside of school. And this girl is Elisa, played here by uh, Brianna Knickerbocker in English and Ayane Sakura in Japanese. And by the way, that's Elisa Ayase, as in little sister to Ellie Ayase. Ah. Really? Really? The short blonde girl? Short blonde girl. (laughs) I wonder what other blonde girl at the school (laughs) she could be related to. Blonde, blue-eyed girl waiting outside (laughs) the school. (laughs) But yeah, I, I want to say Elisa, she's a sweetie, I love her, she's great. But then, this is at the point where we learn more about Ellie and why she's so against Muse. Like, we get a conversation between her and Umi, and then afterwards, Umi goes to Nozomi to get the rest of the story. So, uh, Ellie and Elisa, they're both uh, half-Russian, having recently moved to Japan from Russia. And uh, while in Russia, when she was a little girl, Ellie used to be a ballerina, and a very skilled one at that. Like, in fact, ballet runs in their family as both her mother and grandmother were both prima ballerinas back in their day. And Ellie was next in line to uh, carry that legacy. And that's not the only legacy, as she's carrying on her grandmother's uh, legacy. As she's, uh, during a phone conversation, we find out that she graduated from Otonokizaka in the past. So now she's determined to uh, save the school and protect it because of, like, that family heritage. But because of her dancing skills, she has insanely high standards and views idols, especially the top idols, arise as nothing more than amateurs. Yeah, if you're not breaking your feet to <laughs> put out that great performance, you're not doing a good enough job. Yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the ballerina ethos. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, you know, Russia and ballet, like, they go hand in hand. Like, they take it very, very seriously over yes. there. And by the way, during the uh, conversation between uh, Ellie and Umi, I want to point out that there are little moments here and there where Ellie drops her stern serious personality like anytime she's talking to elisa she's very kind and caring but then when she goes back to umi she's very serious again so 
mask kind of slips a little bit there. Yeah. And after finding this all out, Umi wants Muse to prove themselves to Ellie and show that they aren't as unskilled as she believes them to be. But uh, first we've got to make sure our idiot trio passes their exams, and they do. Just barely. Like, we see Honoka gets the Japanese equivalent of a D-minus here, a 53 out of 100. <laughs> but all this could be too late, as the school is set to close. So, we're at the halfway point of Season 1, so when we return, we'll be right back with the rest of Love Life School Idol Project Season 1. Will the school close? Find out soon. the second half of Love Live School Idol Project Season 1. So the school is set to close. Uh, sorry, the school is set to close if the upcoming open house isn't a success. We have to add that part there. So uh, if they generate enough interest, then the school will stay afloat. And to assure that it's a success, Muse is set to put on their biggest concert thus far, but they're gonna need some help. So Ellie, teach us your ballet ways. Make all of us the next Berezhnikov. You know, we have fire of the belly, but it's gonna take more than belly fire to be the next Berezhnikov. <laughs> and we get we get like her intense black widow ballet training right here <laughs> where she just has like her already high standards you know trying to make reem do the splits but like she's almost gonna like pull her groin right here it's tough to do the splits <laughs> it is <laughs> you know katori can do it but like come on like not every everyone can be as flexible as her <laughs> not not everyone can also be like shikako and fit inside a backpack ellie I wish I was that flexible anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if I was ever that flexible. I can't even imagine the time I would be that flexible. <laughs> but all of this, all of this intense training from her is like, it's a combination of her already high standards, but also her just venting her frustrations as well. Because like on her own time, she's making sure the open campus goes well, and she's desperately trying to find something that'll help Ozenokizaka, you know, ask the rest of the student council, they got nothing. Looks at the alpacas, gets spit in the face, tries to write a speech, gets told it's boring by her own sister. Like, everything she's doing, it's not working. Like, she's throwing everything at the wall and nothing's sticking. And all she has to show for it is, like, this idol group that is still going on against her wishes. 
It's getting to be her final... It's starting to grow to be her final weapon. And then Elisa outright asks her if how if what she's doing, like, is she doing this how she wants to do? Like, do you want to do it this way? Do you think this will actually help? And that actually shocks Ellie, like, someone asking that about her. Like, is she doing truly what she wants right here? And then we get the rest of Ellie's ballet background. As, remember when I said she used to be a ballerina? Keywords being used to. As good as she was, she wasn't good enough. She failed her auditions and never reached the heights her mother and grandmother achieved. Eventually, she gave up and closed her heart to her dream. And as much as she loved ballet and had fun with it, that love didn't help her succeed. At least you adopted this cold personality. You know, fun and happiness, they don't matter. All that matters is results. And everything she does is in spite of her own happiness. Like, everything she does up to this point is because... It just gets results. This is the right thing to do. You can't, you can't coast on life on having fun alone. Yeah, the real world doesn't work like that. But seeing Muse persevere, succeed, and most of all, be happy just shook her. Like, she feels it's not fair. Like, that's why she opposed Muse and wanted them to fail. But instead, she, they're succeeding where she is failing. And it, it all comes to, like, a big head where, like, she just has, like, this big blow-up in front of Nozomi, because Nozomi, she's catching on to Ellie right here, thinking, like, you really don't want to do this. You are not being true to yourself. You actually want to help them. You want to join them. And then Ellie's just all like, you're right, I want to join them, but how can I actually talk to them like that after everything I've done to this point? Like, I'm such an awkward mess, but just, like, just look at me. Like, it's it's all amazing. Like, I will splice it in. It's great. Is this really what you want to do, Big Sis? We want to do this! You know what? Whenever I'm watching Muse perform, I always feel so warm inside. They work really hard, and they look like they're having so much fun. You know... Nozomi... Ever since we became friends and I joined the student council, something's always poked at the back of my mind. Ellie, what is it that you really want to do? Uh? I'm with you a lot, so I get you. You're always working hard for the sake of others, but I can tell you're holding something back. It's like you never do anything for yourself because you're afraid you might enjoy it. <sighs> Even your desire to keep the school open. It's only because you're student council president, and maybe that's the reason why the director won't respond to your requests. So tell me, what do you really want to do? I have no choice! It would be nice to solve all my problems by doing what I want to do and not just what I have to do! I know that I'm a stupid, awkward mess, but still! After all I've done, how do you expect me to tell them that I want to be an idol too? And then it all culminates with Honoka extending her hand out to Ellie. Come join Muse. And we finally got our full, our full team right here. Like, 
holy fuck, all of this is so fucking good. <laughs> I love all of this so much. It's finally complete. Like, everything with Ellie up to this point, like, the fa- like a reasoning as to, like, why she's so cold and serious, and it's all because she doesn't want to be. She actually wants to have fun. She wants to enjoy herself, but, like, in her past, she's been told, like, not like simply having fun isn't good enough like i love that yeah ellie definitely has one of the best best arcs in the first season of the series really strong stuff it really helps to keep you invested and like all of this and then everything that happens afterwards is part of why ellie isa is my favorite character in all of love life we finally got to my girl right here now, even to this day, considering other later series is she still your favorite girl she is number one Above all else. Like, I love a lot of the other girls to death, but Ellie number one in my heart. She is the best head of the Love Live table, tribal chief right here. <laughs> I acknowledge her. And on that note, it's time for our last Seiyuu Spotlight. Ellie played here by Erica Limbeck in English, and Yoshino Nanjo, aka Nanjolno in Japanese. And Nanjolno, my, my queen, my everything, light of my Love Live life. <laughs> She is the uh, senior most member of Muse and actually had quite the extensive career prior to Love Live. Uh, began her voice acting career in 2006 and in 2009 she would lead, she would become the lead singer of the Japanese pop idol duo Fripside. And that actually lasted until October 2021. Like Fri- Fripside was actually basically as big to her as Muse was. And uh, her first song for the band was the song uh, Only My Railgun, which was used as the OP for a certain scientific railgun. And she would actually be a side character in the show as well. Hmm, Not bad. And uh, she was also in uh, Bakken Test, playing a fairly prominent side character, uh, Aiko Kudo. And she would also be one of the leads in Robotics Notes, aka that one Steinsgate spinoff. She's Akiho Sonomiya. And uh, Nanjolno, she's also very tight with most of the members of Muse, uh, specifically Kusun, as they both hold, hosted a uh, radio show together, and, you know, they became just as close as uh, Ilya and Nozomi are. And also, she's uh, very good friends with uh, Shikako, as they uh, even released a uh, photo book together with uh, Nanjolno as, a, uh, pho- as uh, the photographer and uh, Shika as the model. And also, Shika, on numerous occasions, uh, said she wishes she could live with uh, Nanjo, like, she absolutely loves her. <laughs> Yeah, damn, she's a very busy person. Yeah, like, still going to this very day. And also, like, uh, I mentioned earlier that uh, Shikako was the tallest member of Muse. Nanjolno, she is officially the shortest member of Muse, standing at 4 foot 11 inches. She is <laughs> tiny. Oh, that that is very, that is very short. Yeah, <laughs> like, you can find a picture of, like, all nine of them lined up, and, like, she's up front, and, like, she just looks so tiny in front of everyone. <laughs> but, in general, Nanjolno is perfect. I absolutely love her. She is the best. <laughs> and with that, Muse is complete. Nozomi Jones, too, and reveals that she came up with the name as she put all of this into motion. Like, she's a big fan of uh, tarot cards and uh, spirituality, so, like, she felt like all of this was, like, all coming together like this was all meant to happen now that's the one running gag with nozomi that i do actually like her tarot card reading yeah because <laughs> it's just it's just funny to me that like she's whenever she's like trying to like emphasize her like wise nature is this like sage of the group she'll bust out the tarot cards <laughs> as if that makes anyone wiser yeah no. <laughs> like as pull- if it's not just your hobby yeah <laughs> 
Like, I, I love the one bit where, like, uh, she opens up a window and a big gust of wind flies in and blows all the cards against the The cards wall. tell me. The cards say all. And then we get, like, a shot of the star card. Yeah, fucking whatever. Like, just play your Yu-Gi-Oh cards <laughs> elsewhere. Yeah, whatever, Bakura. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, uh, Yami Bakura and Nozomi. <laughs> trying to go, uh, go inside the Millennium Puzzle to, like, kill the Pharaoh. Trying to do tarot card rating with Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I place my star card in defensive mode, and I end my turn. Uh, but now it's time to celebrate this uh, monumentous occasion, all nine members coming together with Muse's first song ever. Like, this is actually their first ever song. This was the first song that uh, came out back on uh, August 2010. Oh, okay. So this is what they debuted with to really get this project going. Yep. This is uh, Bokura No Life, Kimi Tu No Life. So, real talk, the song itself is kind of mid, but what it represents is actually pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's not the mer- it's not their most memorable one. I mean, considering we had Start Dash at the start of the season, like it was already kind of blown out of the water. I mean, it's, yeah, I think you could I think you could have started off with like worst ones for the series, yeah. but yeah, maybe it was a better idea to save this one for later. Yeah. <laughs> but like I love what it represents. Like this was the first ever Love Like Love Life song. Like this is the song that kicked off an entire franchise. It makes sense to put it at this point in the story. Yeah, the anime using that as the first song for like the fully formed muse. Like it's very perfect and poetic. And I love that they even recreate shots from the original music video in, like, the performance and even in the, uh, 
bit earlier when, like, uh, Honoka asked Ellie to join, like, all of that is from the music video. But uh, you can tell that it is a first-ever song. Like, this is clearly a song you start out with. <laughs> because everything they come out with afterwards is so much better. <laughs> like, even their second song, you know the one. That's the, the most legendary Muse song. Girls, you're not going to save the school with this number. <laughs> Create snow halation already. Yeah. It's like, but it's summer. I don't care. <laughs> Screw it. We'll have a Christmas in July. It's winter. Have you ever seen Phineas and Ferb? <laughs> Some people call it warmer. But no, uh, everyone loves it. They all get big cheers at the performance. And like, like I said, what this represents, Muse coming together for the first time ever. It's a, it's a perfect thing. I, I adore this. Yeah, it's a beautiful moment. Nothing taken away from this. Like, Muse full strength, the series can really, really begin right now, too. Yes. And that's also one of the things I want to point out about, like, this season and also future season ones in general, like, uh, a lot of it is, like, uh, getting the group together. Like, uh, most of the first season is going to be that. And it's still good, but, like, once we get everyone together, that's when the series really kicks off for me. Like, I really love when we have the full team together. Yeah, like now we can get the big group dynamic going. Yes. Now we can have the, now we can have interactions between characters. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have conflicts with each other anymore. Like we're all to get in this together. Now we can start crossbreeding their character development as though they were as though like the creators are Mendel and these are all their pea flowers. <laughs> <laughs> so the song was a uh, success, and the open campus itself was a success as uh, Otonoki Zaka gets to stay open just a little while longer. So they're good for at least another year. And also, Ellie's fully integrated herself into Muse, and Umi, in general, she's just so happy to have someone just as sensible as she is in the group, so... Finally, another responsible person around here. Finally, another normal one. (laughs) To control this rabble. (laughs) And Rain's all like, what are we, animals? And also, Ellie can finally drop the cold, serious personality, and like, now we get to see nice Ellie, nice dorky Ellie. And also the girls make sure to get over that she is the bomb.com. You know, Honoka talks about how hot she is and, and Haneo in the background is acting all squishy. <laughs> One of their comments about Ellie also comes across as backhanded to uh, Nico, <laughs> <laughs> who says that out of all the, all the third years, she's the most, like, womanly. <laughs> yeah, you know, she's very tall, slender, has legs for days, very beautiful. Like, you are the, pinnac- like, you are the pinnacle of beauty of, among the third years. And Nico's like, what the hell? Yeah, like the camera... What pan- am I, chopped liver? <laughs> camera, like, pans over to her and she's like, what? <laughs> you know, this short, tiny girl in pi- with pigtails. <laughs> like, everyone points out that she looks like a first year. <laughs> and uh, speaking of Nico, through some uh, Nico knee antics, you know, going into Akihabara wearing, like, uh, the disguises with, like, the sunglasses and the face masks and everything just for, for funsies, uh, they find themselves in front of a store. A store full of bootleg school idol merch! Oh, wow, someone's <laughs> gonna get sued. How does this work? Like, in the ten years... I was hoping you'd seen... have an answer for that, but no. Now. In the ten years I've seen this, I still don't know the logistics of this school idol store. Like, they've never given a kayfabe reason as to, like, why this one store in Akihabara can profit off the images and likenesses of, like, all of these school idols in Yeah, Japan. What, what is the legality of that? <laughs> it's just selling their, like, pig, like their images. It's like, it's, it's kind of creepy. It's like they get PNGs of them online and then slap it onto, like, fans and buttons. Yeah, they should actually sue about yeah. that. <laughs> Illegal use of image. And, like, there's so much unlicensed Muse merch. Like, there's a whole corner of it, and then they're all like, Whoa, we, we have merch now? This is amazing! And it's like, no, they're stealing your likenesses. <laughs> 
they're profiting off your faces. I remember we had. I remember this like this actually goes to like an even to like fu- even funnier ends when we get to the movie later on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The the, sh- the shameless ripping off of images is uh <laughs> it will be a re- will come again when we discuss the film later on. Yeah. Or like in uh, season two, there is actually specifically a moment where we see actual like real life uh, key artwork that was used for like magazine stuff. It used in universe as like official posters and stuff like that hanging all around like their club room and like some of their houses it's like how does this work yeah, who's making this who was making this? and like they didn't realize this was happening until they saw it so like someone is secretly making unlicensed merch without their knowledge we should be having like a creepy like perfect blue shot right here where like <laughs> the camera is like angled from like far away from like someone else looking in on them just like <laughs> like secretly the store owner just hiding out behind the cash register yeah <laughs> no from like another building yeah like, camera shot from like another building oh, so yeah. it looks like they're being looked in upon mm-hmm. <laughs> but amongst the bootleg merch is also an autographed picture of katori in a maid outfit and speaking of the bird devil here Katori, in a maid outfit, arrives asking for the picture to be taken down. And we get a, like a fun bit here where like they notice her, and they're and they're all like, "Katori, what are you doing here?" And Katori is just all like, "Katori, so sorry. I now understand you. Huh? She's an alien. Katori, it's you. So sorry. I go now. Adios. Hope you find your Katori friend. Yes, yes." Have a nice day, lady girls. Farewell! Like, she honestly believes this will work just, like, covering her faces in, like, little, uh, capsule balls and then just, like, pretending to speak in an accent. <laughs> and Reen actually buys it. She's like, whoa, a foreigner. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, can of coke to, uh, Christina Valenzuela for, like, that delivery there. That was, like, pretty funny. <laughs> Though, uh, Uchi's delivery in Japanese is also very iconic, where she's all like... Kotori? What? It's an adorable little moment. Yeah. So yeah, Katori is actually a famous uh, cafe maid in Akiba. And this was actually uh, hinted at in uh, previous episodes. As uh, in Nico's debut episode, she was noticing like uh, her autograph in and amongst uh, Nico's merch. And she said like, Oh yeah, I heard it was from uh, Akiba Maid, but I never actually met her. I I just bought it online. <laughs> or like uh, when Honoka goes to like look inside her bag, you can actually briefly see a picture of her in the maid outfit before she takes it away and hides it behind her back. Let's <laughs> see that setup. Yeah, like nice little blinking you'll miss it Easter eggs. So uh, why is she a maid? It's because she feels uh, she's in Honoka and Umi's shadows. Like she's hoping to do this as a way to help improve herself. You know, find something that'll make her stand out in the be more special alongside her friends. And this actually leads to Ellie doing a cool thing as she tries to help Katori boost her confidence a little bit. You know, she wants to have a concert in Akihabara and she wants Katori to be the center and to actually write a song for this one. So she's got to come up with lyrics from the heart right here. If you want to advertise yourselves, then yeah, Akihabara is probably the best place to actually put on a performance. Though they do bring up that uh, Akihabara is meant to be Arise territory. So it makes you think like, is Arise going to be like, skulking around the area oh know? muscling in on their turf yeah you know are they it's gonna be like west side story where they're all like <laughs> <laughs> this is a rise clan territory yeah. 
and just walk in like walk, they they walk in with that yakuza gate like <laughs> and we just have like a big brawl out in the middle of the street with like money flying everywhere <laughs> Nico goes into, like, uh, berserker mode and starts, like, grabbing anything that's not nailed down and swinging it at him. Nozomi takes out a Najinata <laughs> starts slashing at people. Yeah. <laughs> Have, like, Reen grab a bat and, like, do, like, a big wind-up before they bit him. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I actually, I love this. I love Ellie looking out for her friends right here. Like, she totally believes in Katori and, like, really encourages her to, like, she totally believes she can do this. Also, props to the animators for actually finding a way to portray Akihabara without putting thirsty fanboys everywhere. Yeah, right? <laughs> it is, like, the most fanboy-heavy, like, area of the entire city. It should be a biohazard. <laughs> That's one of the funny things about Love Live is throughout every season, every generation, you do not see any men around. Not really like, even 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 when they do they're always like cut off yeah like you see honika's dad but like he's shot from behind or like with his face cut off like he's like the uh, the nanny and the muppet ki- muppet babies right or like you see little boys running around but like no no men no teenage boys running around it's like all women it's it's become a bit of a running gag amongst uh love life fans like we live in a post-apocalyptic society where like there's <laughs> n- where all men have died out it's like it's, it's literally the plot of why the last man <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah katori she's uh tasked with like uh writing lyrics for uh this new song but uh she's having a hard time coming up with good stuff because it's all crap <laughs> like uh it reminded me a bit of the uh this uh one uh goofy cartoon where like he's trying to be a rock star and the narrator's all like write what you see and she's like oh squirrel Squirrel, 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 sitting on a branch in a tree. <laughs> Cute stuff and things are always fluffy, fluffy. Lots of macarons will always make you happy, happy. Eating lots of sweets will probably make you fatty, fatty. Colorful, happy, happy macarons. Oh, there's no way I can do it. Looks like she's having a hard time with this. I know. Having some trouble, eh? Yeah. I got nothing. Let's start with something simple. What do you see around you? And how does that make you feel? Look at that. A squirrel. Squirrel, 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 sitting on a branch. Yes, that was in a tree. Stop it. Squirrel in a tree. I said stop it. But uh, we need inspiration right here. And so uh, Honoka and Umi work with Katori at her uh, maid cafe, and I see this and I'm like, bet you're loving this. <laughs> you know, famous for not uh, not taking to maids too well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I mean, this is all cute stuff. This here. is all cute stuff. I'm not completely heartless, you know? <laughs> I'm just saying, if, if you, if the only, I'm just saying, the only thing I've ever argued when it comes to maid cafes is that the only viable way you would ever want to go to one is if you are going one, dressed up in a black coat and with like coattails and everything, and a top hat on your head, and a monocle and a cane, and you speak in a really stereotypical British accent. That is the only reasonable way anyone, especially especially myself, should want to experience a maid cafe. Just go fully dressed like Mr. Peanut. Yes, yes, you just go there like the Monopoly man. <laughs> Thanks for the free parking. <laughs> But, uh, you know, Honoka and Umi working together with Katori, they actually start, uh, they start noticing that when she's, like, in her maid outfit working at the cafe, she just becomes, like, 
a completely different person. Like, she becomes the legendary maid, Mina Linsky, here. And she's able to actually articulate to her friends, like, you know, why she loves Akiba so much. You know, like, how it, how it brings so much joy to people and, like, how she's there to, like, help spread that joy. And then, like, that's when she, when it clicks, like, that's... That was that's the basis for her lyrics for the next song. Yes, Gotcha Machines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the true joy of Akihabara. Gotcha Machines, screwing you up, taking all of your hard-earned money. I know at least one of these is going to have a fucking Decarabia. <laughs> <laughs> I need my metal upa. <laughs> uh, but then we get the next song, Wonder Zone. Sure are. Next Sunday, right here. Uh, but so many people. It'll be fun. Huh? Yeah. Let's do it. So this is what we're going to wear? Niko niko ni. How do I look? Hot, right? song i really i do like this one it's cute i mean it's a little gimmicky given like the whole akihabara theming but it's 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 a fine enough song also it gives us an excuse to see muse uh all in maid outfits here too yeah why not like that sells we do get a, like another funny joke at the expense of nico where she's like in a maid outfit and then it's pans over to ellie like really working it and then nico's all like <laughs> looks so mad so butthurt but no, I, I appreciate the fact that the anime gave Katori her spotlight here because up until this point she's been kind of like uh you know kind of playing second banana to Honoka and Umi. Yeah she hasn't really like stepped into the spotlight in any way she's she's the the one member of Muse that's kind of uh, stood out the least so far so like, it's nice to see her getting some more depth put into her and this won't be the last time we see that. In yeah season. no this is actually set up for stuff later on. Yes. By the way shout out to like one bit where uh we see Katori serving Nico and Maki this super gay couple heart drink right here. <laughs> Yeah, I guess we should say right now that, that like, those two get uh, paired off a lot later in the series. Yeah, like, I feel this is actually the official start of the uh, the Nico Maki ship right here. Because there wasn't much of it beforehand, but, like, ever since that moment, they're just kind of inseparable, really. Now, do you think, now, knowing what you know about all of Love Live, uh, do you think that's the, 
Do you think that's the most rational one to go forward with? Honestly, I think it works really well because they have such differing personalities. You know, Nico is just so, like, eccentric and out there while Maki is just kind of more reserved and kind of pragmatic. But just just, like, you kind of get them together and it kind of, like, leads to, like, a very fun odd couple type situation here yeah so they yeah they make for they make for some good uh comedy duo moments mm-hmm. and like because you know elliot knows me they've already got the history together they've yeah, got they like they've got some like professional around professionalism around them hanio and rin like whatever we've seen them as like really close friends and stuff yeah i guess maki and nico it's uh the one that like no one really expected yeah like with the those other two pairings like it's so obvious and like it's, as, it's too obvious. Yeah, and as the series, and I love them. I love them to death. Like, Reen and Hanio is like my favorite love life ship. But like, it's so obvious. And like later on, they do work with it. Like it gets gayer. But like Nico and Maki, it's like, I don't know. It's just so funny. Like it's funny that these two would hook up together. But it actually kind of works. Like I can't see them apart. Like they're honestly kind of inseparable. <laughs> <laughs> and you get some good humor when you try to push them together and be friends with each other. Yeah. And then, like, you have smaller moments that just leads fans speculating about their relationship because, like, later in this season, and especially in season two, there there will just be moments where they're just hanging out together randomly. It's like, what are you two doing? Are you on a date or something? Right. So, yeah, we'll, we'll it's get... Like, it's like when you see, like, Rigby and Eileen yeah. in, like, regular show and, like, around the middle seasons. Yeah, it's, it's like, okay, there's something going on here. Yeah, it's like, you, you can tell something is cooking up between these two. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll we'll get some more Nico Maki fun later on. So uh, coming up after that, uh, we get to probably my favorite episode of season one, episode ten. And honestly, it's probably the last start to finish fun episode before a uh, big drama comes rolling down the line. So it, it all starts off. Everyone's uh, dealing with a uh, damn hungry hot day, and then Honika gets a brilliant idea. Let's take a training camp trip to the beach. And luckily for them, Maki's family has a beach house. Beach episode! Beach episode! It had to happen at some point. Yeah. Yeah, they were saving it for everyone. We really should have a... Given that we review anime, I wonder, I've actually wondered at times if we actually need a jingle for the beach episode. Oh, God, we need, we do need it. Uh, then again, I guess we maybe have to assess, like, backwards how many episodes we've actually had a future anime with beach episodes. I think I... I think we have brought it up numerous times because I do remember distinctly in past episodes me going, Beach episode! Might as well drop in some, like, Beach Boys or something. Yes. I don't fucking know. Like, you, if you're gonna make that into a bit, you gotta pick, like, a good song for it. Yeah. A good <laughs> clip or something. <laughs> Let's get this beach party started! Well, we wake up early and wax our surfboards down. Beach, yeah, we'll hit the beach. Throw our board shorts on and head for surfing town. Hey, look! I can see our house from up here! So with uh, this beach trip, Ellie then takes this as the perfect opportunity to do something. On this trip, we have one rule. No senpai allowed. As uh, we're all equals here, so we're ditching the senpai-kohai dynamic. And uh, the dub actually typically does away with most uh, honorifics, but they uh, distinctly kept senpai throughout the series, specifically for this episode, mainly because there was no way you could, like, do it without it. No, you, you, you really can't. Yeah. We, 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 in the, the English language does not bother with honorifics very much. Yeah, so, like, there's no Chan or San, but we do keep Senpai because we have to have it for this episode. Yeah, it's a very good idea. <laughs> yeah. Close, close save there. And uh, it's a lesson they'll learn kind of the hard way in uh, 
the next generation of Love Live. There is a specific episode. Oh, yeah, I remember. There is a very specific episode in the second. All uh, about honorifics, but they never use them. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, that's actually not a good episode Yeah, like, in the second Love's Live series, Sunshine. Well, like, I commend the dub writer for getting through that episode the best way she could, but it was difficult. Like, it Yeah, was, they was, didn't really plan ahead for that one. It was a tall order. Yeah, because, like, it's not just, it's not just where, like, you can use, like, one honorific either. Like, they use multiple honorifics in that one. Yeah, they say girlfriend and honey or something like that. Yeah, it doesn't work it does at all. It does not work because they never say it up until that Yeah, point. they never fucking say any of that. <laughs> and even if they did, it would be fucking awkward. Really? Be... Honey? Yeah. Girlfriend? Sweet... Sweetheart? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> it just sounds weird in English. Broski. Broski. Brodacious. Brodacious. Broheim. <laughs> so yeah, we're dropping senpai for all this. You know, we're all members of Muse here. We're all school idols. Let's just be on first name basis with each other. And uh, I do like uh, Maki just being all sundere about that. Like that's one of her defining features. Like she's just all soon about everything. <laughs> And a uh, fun little detail, the uh, the outfits they wear for, like, uh, this trip, it, they, these are actually ripped directly from their fifth music video for the song Wonderful Rush, because that music video is all about them uh, trying to race to get on a plane to uh, go on a trip, like, they're all wearing the same exact outfits. So, in general, this, like, whole episode is just, like, it's just wall-to-wall fun bits, just, like, tons of bonding. Yeah, this is a very lighthearted episode. You know, you get, like, a bit where, like, uh, they see uh, the big kitchen in the beach house, and then Maki's all like, oh, yeah, I got a personal chef, don't you? And then Nico's all like, yeah, I totally have a personal chef, you know? Being an idol, I can't cook for myself, so I gotta have someone cook all my meals for me, Nico. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's also a couple of great jokes leading up to them going to the beach, as uh, we see them all lined up, you know, and half of them are in their training outfits, but then the other half are in their swimsuits as it, like, pans over to them. Only three members. Only three members, but uh, Hanayo, she's kind of half and half, because she's wearing her swimsuit, but she has, like, her training jacket over it. Oh, I see. Because, like, uh, you can assume Rain probably convinced her to put on her swimsuit, but she doesn't want to upset Umi or anyone, so she has, like, her track jacket on. It's like, just in case, if we hit the beach. Just in case. <laughs> and uh, in the Japanese version, there's actually a, a fun little uh, play on words that doesn't translate to uh, English. As uh, when Honoka asks about the, the uh, beach, the word she uses is umi, which means sea. And then in Japanese, umi goes, watashimo? Like, <laughs> what about me? And then Honoka goes, the beach, the sea, umi. And umi go is all like, oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I like that. I like that. That's cute. So yeah, then we get beach time here. Like all of them playing on the beach together. And uh, some of the bits we see here were actually... Yeah, this is mostly just bits right here. Yeah. Like, just the cute little moments. And uh, some of them were actually uh, based on scenes from the uh, the third music video, uh, Natsuhiro Ego Day 1-2 Jump. Like, specifically the bit where uh, Haneo is trying to do the uh, watermelon splitting. You know, you have Nozomi kind of casting a spell, Rin and Honoka cheering her on, and then Nico pulls the watermelon away at the last minute. <laughs> like, that's directly from the music video. Right, right. Or, like, uh, you get, like, one bit where, like, Maki's lounging, and then Nico tries to lounge next to her, but then she sees she's, like, a lot taller than her, so she tries to, like, lean back a bit more to, like, fill out the, the entire chair <laughs> before getting beamed in the face by a beach ball. I will admit, though, that joke is a little hard to understand. I yeah. didn't know that she's, like, trying to make herself taller. Though I feel like in the in the anime for this scene, they kind of make Nico shorter than she actually is, just to get over that she's very tiny. Really? Because she's already pretty short. She is short, but I feel like... Maki's not that taller than her. 
I mean, a little bit taller. A little bit. I think, it, work, I think it just kind of works. Yeah. Yeah, but still, it, it's a fun little bit. Yeah. We get the continuation of uh, Haneo and her love of rice as uh, later on they're cooking dinner, and then Haneo just gets this big, huge ball of rice, and then everyone's all like, how come it's separated from your food? And she's like, you don't need to worry about that. <laughs> she did not eat any of that curry. No. <laughs> no, not any of it. It's all white rice for her. Just pure carbs. All carbs. <laughs> Which does come back in a bad way for her. <laughs> ah, but it's also Nico's the one who takes over the food for the food. Yeah. And people have to, and yeah, there's a great joke where everyone's like, wait, I thought you said everyone else, I thought you said you had personal cooks. Like, how did you end up making the entire meal? And, and then she tries to like, uh, change the subject where she's all like, oh, golly, this spoon is so heavy. Oh, this spoon. <laughs> I can't respond. I'm trying to lift this spoon. And then she's all like, well, whatever. As an idol, shouldn't it, shouldn't it be good that I know how to cook for myself? It means I can do everything. <laughs> and then she's, and they're all like, well, that was a 180. <laughs> but uh, the real meat of this episode is specifically focused on uh, Maki as uh, she has the hardest time adjusting to just having so many friends around her at all times. And Nozomi in particular is trying to break her out of her shell right here. You know, she sees a lot of uh, Ellie and Maki, you know, someone who has a hard time expressing her feelings, like... Maki does want to join in on the fun, but she's just, like, she just kind of has, like, this standoffish personality, which then leads to, like, a, a very fun pillow fight scene later on, where, like, uh, Nozomi starts a fight and then blames it on Maki, and then it just, like, all devolves in them, throwing pillows around. Although when they wake up Umi, that's when, like, that's when the, the hurt locker is opened up. <laughs> Umi just goes nuts, and I gotta credit both uh, Kira and Mimarine for their performances here, like, they make her sound really threatening. <laughs> Just, like, whipping pillows everywhere. Just, like, beating people in the face. Starts 360 no-scoping everyone with pillows. (laughs) All while just, like, making, like, Higarashi faces and all, like, (laughs) I'm gonna destroy you all. (laughs) But they were able to just, like, knock her out, thankfully. And, uh, oh, one one little detail I want to bring up is, uh, during the scene, you'll notice that uh, Katori has, like, a different pillow from everyone else. And she's not throwing it. That's because that's actually her uh, special pillow which is actually the basis for the uh, the Wonderful Rush music video. <laughs> because, like, throughout that music video, she had to go back home to get it, and then at the end it was revealed, like, oh, yeah, we almost missed our flight because I needed to get my special pillow. Ah, interesting. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, a little detail there. But, no, uh, everything all works out in the end. Uh, Maki is uh, able to say Nozomi's name without any issue. She's kind of fully gotten acclimated to everyone. And also, one thing I really love about this episode is that it really gets over why... Nozomi is like the super team mom of Muse. Like she cares so much about her kids and she doesn't, she didn't want Maki to feel left out. Yeah, that does describe her position pretty well. She's like the mother of the group. Yeah, like she, she talks about how she watched over them from the beginning. She helped bring them together and like she just keeps an eye on them the entire time. Like it's, it's very sweet. Yep. And then she scries chicken bones to like <laughs> determine their future. <laughs> <laughs> and also I, I love the ending here too where like uh, Maki thanks Ellie because she was the one who set up the no senpai rules you know getting everyone on equal footing and it was really great these are my favorite kind of love life episodes just ones where they're all having fun and just bonding all together like we get more of that especially in season two and like I can't wait to talk about them yeah it's a it's a delightful stopping point before the uh, the drama that's to come oh boy do we got some drama yeah <laughs> <laughs> as uh we're in the end game now and uh, Muse has cracked the top 20 in the uh, love live rankings so now they set their sights on their next big concert at the school festival. And this one's make or break because uh, 
this could determine whether or not they keep their spot within the top 20 or if they fall out altogether. And this is where their, all of their hard work kicks into overdrive right here. Like, they are working to the bone. Like, everyone's also trying to... Uh, is big enough Honoka as well. Like, saying, like, she is the one who's working extra hard for everyone. Because she's the leader, she's got to work twice as hard. And also, I got to point out the uh, the great bit right here where they're uh, deciding whether or not they could use the auditorium for their big concert. And it's all decided by this uh, lottery system. You know, kind of like the uh, little, like ball lottery thing you see in like a uh, japanese like a uh, convenience stores and stuff right right and uh nico is the one who like uh, spins the wheel but she loses so like they don't get the, the auditorium no she's the unluckiest one <laughs> you see nozomi could have predicted this she magic is her is her whole deal yeah right <laughs> <laughs> she probably knows some like lucky incantations oh definitely <laughs> sorry nico you drew the tower card <laughs> I do like the bit where, like, as the wheel is spinning, it's, like, all in slow motion, and then everyone's all, like, Ugh, just, like, reacting in slow motion. <laughs> and then when they lose, they just all collapse on the ground. So instead of performing in the auditorium, they are forced to perform on the roof. We get uh, a lot of the key points here, like, they're really getting over is, like, uh, Honoka overworking herself to death the most. Like, she is the one who is working the hardest out of everyone. And also we have uh, Katori in the background dealing with a letter she got and not getting the chance to talk to Honoka about it. And Honoka, she's trying way too hard, and eventually it catches up to her. Like, she gets very sick after doing some night running in the rain. And this is after she got in her own head after seeing the rankings and noticing that uh, some groups are actually starting to uh, catch up to them. And by the way, I gotta mention one of those group names because... Uh... Oh, this is going to be a running <laughs> gag. This is going to be... Yeah, we gotta mention it right now. Because when we were watching the original series, watching this originally, this was so funny to us. So, we get a good shot of, like, all of the names in the ranking system. But you see one name in particular. You know what that name said? <laughs> <laughs> what did it say, Mikey? The name was George in all lowercase letters. <laughs> <laughs> That gave us a good laugh, that there's an idol group in this world called George. George. Like, what are they all about? Like, what is the George group in, in Love Live? Are they, like, some George Washington rap group, all of Hamilton? Or, like, are they all a bunch of George Costanzas, just all balding girls with the The flying black Costanzas? Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, George is in at home. home. Please, Please leave, leave a, a message after the beep. beep. I must be out, or I pick up the phone. Where could I I'd be? Believe it or not, I'm not home. <laughs> Top 21 right there. Ah, yeah, that's winners right there. Winners. Like, you know, they're they're the ones who can totally challenge Arise. They are the Sami Zayn to Arise's You see, they're ranks. the actual underdogs. Of, they're the unseen underdogs of the story. I need, We need to know what George's story is one of these days. You know, Muse, they're pretty much like the Cody Rhodes of the stories. You know, it's pretty obvious they're going to win beat arise the roman reigns but george they're the sammy zane they're the one that everyone wants to get get behind in spite of all of the good storytelling <laughs> in front of them <laughs> god you ever get us in front of like the actual like staff that worked on the series you better believe we're gonna ask about george it's like god can you make like a george group based on like all of the normal girl characters in the mobile game no 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 no. that's not the question you ask you ask the question who, like who are george you ask no. You ask a who question. You do not leave it up to a yes or no question. <laughs> Journalism one hundred and one. <laughs> if you say who, they got a fucking answer. 
Remember that. George. Yeah. <laughs> Who are George? I need names. <laughs> also, why are George? <laughs> <laughs> so get ready for more George talk down the line here. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Otakon gets some love live stuff in the future. Hell yeah. <laughs> so Honker's here. She's not 100%. And the sad thing is, up to this point, Umi was the only one to call out Honoka on overworking herself. But uh, when she brought it up to the other girls, they were just all like, oh, it's just Honoka. Like, let her let her work her hardest. Like, she's the leader. We gotta look towards her. And it's like, ah, just, if they only listened to her, they could have prevented this right here. Like, no one realized this was actually a bad idea. And making matters worse, Muse has to perform in the rain, which will only make Honoka feel even worse right here. And against her better judgment, Honoka performs anyway. And we get the song, No Brand Girls. good dancing on that stage given that they should be soaked by now oh yeah like it actually... should all look like wet rats by this point oh yeah like them performing in the rain is actually pretty cool but it's like in kayfabe it doesn't make sense they should just all be waterlogged right now <laughs> they yeah. should they should have worn a lot less white yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh that's unfortunate oh no and uh I, I gotta say before we get to the big drama this song here is actually really fun i do like the song and it's, it's even better when Muse performs it live during the live concerts because it just has this big party atmosphere. Like, it's a very fun song to, li- to watch live. Oh, yeah, it is a fun one. It really is. But it leads to a big tragedy right here, despite how cool it looks, as uh, the concert ends up being a massive bust as Honoka passes out and faints from exhaustion. Like, she's too sick. The rain's making it worse. The song itself is very, like, an intense dance routine. Like, they even pointed out earlier that... Uh, the steps to the song is actually some of the hardest they've ever had to learn. Combination of all three of that leads to Honoka passing out, and it's like, yeah, that's that's sad. Yeah. And now is the time to talk about it. The big drama, the big bird elephant in the room right here. The one thing everyone points to that keeps Love Life Season 1 from being absolutely flawless. And honestly, they're not wrong. 
I'm not a fan of this either. So this is the uh, the Katori angle. Uh, what do we got here? Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's it's kind it's a little it's kind of contrived. <laughs> <laughs> she uh, accepted what again? Like she was uh, selected by a famous uh, fashion designer overseas. I forget if they say a specific country, but. Uh, you know, Katori, she designs all the costumes for Muse and everything like that. She really wants to be a fashion designer. Someone overseas took note of that and offered her an opportunity to a study abroad, you know, learn how to be a fashion designer from a world-famous fashion designer. But in doing that, that would mean she would have to leave Otonokizaka and, by extension, leave Muse and all of her friends. Right, right. And she is uh, struck with, like, this decision, you know, follow her dream or stay with the people she very she really cares about. Okay, one, this could have been led into a lot better. Yeah, because the only thing we get is uh, at the very end of uh, the Wonder Zone episode, we get a shot of a letter being put in a mailbox, like, right before the credits. And it's not talked about in uh, No Senpai Allowed. Yeah, that could have been explored way more. <laughs> Maybe could have less spent less time in the maid cafe <laughs> and more time exploring that part of, uh, of her character. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, as a result, it's... A, a contrived way to end the the first half of the series. Yeah. Again, that's what's presented to Honoka as she's sick and dying from pneumonia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, she makes a full recovery, but then, like, she finds out that uh, Muse has been uh, let go from the rankings because the director doesn't want to uh, see them get hurt again. So it's like, out of concern for their safety, they are out of the love life running. But... Then, like, this doesn't really matter, though, because... Because we're dealing with uh, Katori uh, having to decide whether or not to go, and she's leaning towards going to accept this uh, study abroad opportunity. And then Honoka's all like, why didn't you tell me? I thought we were friends. And Katori's all like, well, I tried to tell you, but uh, we were too busy with the school festival. He's like, but you told Umi about this. W- what about us? What about Honoka? You were just going to leave us in the dust? Yeah, and she waits until the 11th hour to talk about this so it's like we're already at our lowest right now honoka's sick almost died and like we're out of the rankings it's like and then you spring this on us now it's like did we need this not no not really (laughs) (laughs) or at least if you're gonna i i think it could maybe work if you just like introduce it better yeah if you establish the conflict in her much better Mm -hmm. but like in general, uh, Love Live actually does have a bit of an issue where they feel the need to shoehorn in drama late into a season. Like, thankfully, uh, it only happens in the first season of each later generation. And uh, starting with the next generation, actually, they actually do better stories and manage to lead into it very well. So some people are a little annoyed that, like, oh, we got big drama again, but it's like it's handled much better. But uh, this first one with Katori, big misstep. Like, I appreciate the anime team giving her a spotlight, but... This ain't it. Then you've also got the angle of, like, the school as well. Yeah, we actually we actually do get that resolved, actually, pretty well because of the uh, the school open house. Uh, we got the results back, and they agreed that they managed to say that, oh, the school is saved. Like, it's not going to be closing down. We reached our goal. We finally saved the school. So that's and, good. But even that kind of happens a little quickly, too. Yeah, that's pretty much uh, kind of brushed aside. Like, you really could, I feel like they could have incorporated that into the finale a lot better. But it sort of introduces the conflict of, oh, well, okay, I guess our job is done. Does, that mean, done. We, does that mean we disband? Yeah. Is our job done? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you even have some conversations from uh, Ellie and Nozomi saying, all like, well, it was bound to happen either way. I mean, we are third years. School year's almost over. 
Actually, when you bring that up, it makes <laughs> way more sense for why it had to be, like, finished early. Because, yeah, when the school, school year ends... There goes the third years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is So the, it's like the writers had no choice. Yeah, which is the big conflict of next season, so we'll get to that. Yeah, precisely. So it's like, what can you do for the first half? Yeah, and then... You have to brush it aside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, like, they totally could have worked it in better. But, like, here we get this angle, and, like, nobody looks good here. Like, Honoka, Umi, and Katori are all squabbling, and, like, the rest of the girls are just kind of caught in the middle here trying to play Peacekeeper. This also kind of brings up a common issue that happens when we do, like, high school anime. It's like, no one talks to each other. It's like, if people <laughs> talk to each other, we wouldn't have this issue. I mean, we say that, but then they already have scenes where they're already in a big group talking things these things out and stuff. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and I guess a rule, I, I guess it's one of those rules of thumb is like a, I guess, I guess it's one of those, like, screenwriting rules of thumb, which is that it's really hard to write a scene where, like, a bunch of characters are just talking for what could actually be a 30-minute to an hour-long conversation in a, in a room. <laughs> and that's really hard to write. Yeah, that doesn't make for good TV. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you have to have characters just angrily walk off from each other. Yeah. And, like, he, and like fans look at this and they feel like, you know, Honoka not wanting Katori to leave. It feels like she's being selfish. But also Katori seems kind of selfish, too, because, like, she didn't tell anyone. Umi didn't say anything. It's like it's it's all it's all muddled. Yeah, it's it's a very muddy situation. Yeah, and like that's pretty much what takes us out of a uh, season one. Like that's what closes out the season right here. Like after everything we've been to, we kind of end on a, a bit of a sour note a little bit. I don't think it ruins it though. No, not not at all. Not at no, all. No, no. It still leads to some emotional moments down the line because at least I still think the angle of like, do we continue on as an idol group even though our mission is over, or do we just do it for the love of it? Yeah, I still think that's a strong angle. In fact. I thought about this, and I actually have, like, I kind of armchair quarterbacked a better angle to end the season one, kind of using a lot of those elements. I actually have it all down right here. So, like, season one finale, instead of Katori, it should have just been focused on Honoka. Like, Honoka should have been the center of all of this. Like, the series started with her, it should end with her. You know, keep her working herself to the bones to the point where she collapses on stage, keep all that, and, but, like, have the conflict be, like, Muse realizing that they unknowingly enabled her, you know, they pushed her because they see her as the leader, and a leader should work as ha harder than the other members. So they end up feeling horrible about that, and then have them, like, willingly put Muse on hiatus, and also just take themselves out of the rankings. Like, we want her to just focus on recovery, we'll focus on love life another time. And then you could have, like, Honoka dealing with, like, feel like she's blaming herself she feels like she's responsible for costing them love live and that leads to her falling into like a bit of a depression and then you can lead into her trying to get back into idol work but still remembering her collapsing on stage and she's afraid of that happening again and then once it's confirmed that school isn't closing down then you can have the scene where honoka realizes that our work here is done i'm quitting because we already saved the school and to be honest, I don't love idols anymore. I screwed up. I had a bad time. I lost my smile. And you can also still have, like, some of the same moments. Like, all of Mew's getting upset with her, you know? Like, keep Nico yelling at her. Keep Katori running away crying. You can even keep Umi slapping her, like, that happens in the series. And then the, the finale can be all about Tonika rediscovering her love of idols with the help of all the girls culminating in, like, one big final performance, which would be her first time back since the incident. You know, have moments where Honoka talks about, talks with the girls individually, 
they can have her have the they can all thank her for what she's done for them you know their lives were forever changed because of her and then it all leads to like one last moment where honika umi and katori they're all together they sing susume tomorrow before rushing to the auditorium where it all began like that's how you should that's how i would have done it like keep the focus i can tell you God. thought very hard about this I, i've been thinking like about this this is an obsession of yours for a while i've been thinking about this for a while and i'm glad this podcast has given me the opportunity to finally get that out there it's it's certainly one one alternate angle they could have gone with you know i brought up some of these moments and like we do get some of these moments and they're like they're actually really good like specifically the moment where like uh, honoka quits like oh yeah some moments still hit during this part it's a very powerful scene because Honoka's at, like, her lowest point. She's genuinely lost her smile. She doesn't have a passion for it anymore. Yeah, like, all the girls, they want to do, like, one big concert to send off Katori, and Honoka's like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. This isn't fun. And, like, you know, you have Nico, like, just about to, like, deck her right here. Maki has to stop her. And then <laughs> Umi just, like, slapping her in the face, saying, like, you're the worst. How how could you even think like that? Like, all that stuff is actually really good. Individual, in good individual moments of drama that just don't, fit into the wider tapestry mm-hmm. or like even smaller nicer moments where like you know after honika quits she goes back to like the shrine where they practice and she sees that uh haneo and reen are still uh wanting to be idols and then that Nico's training both of them like that's still a pretty good scene too like that helps her realize that you can still do this just because you love it because it's fun which by the way i while watching that scene i felt it could have been even better if they just did one little detail if the uh, it should they should have had the first years call Honoka Honoka Senpai because she's no longer a member of Muse, therefore she's no longer one of their equals. So they have to go back to the Senpai Kohai relationship there. Eh, like that might have worked. It would have been nice detail. Like they see here, they go Honoka Ch- Honoka Senpai. Like I I would have liked that. Eh, that could have worked. But you know, in spite of everything that does happen, it actually does lead up to a very good finale. It leads up to Honoka realizing that she can still keep doing this because it's fun, because she loves this. You can actually have a goal in the future based around being idols. And also the fact that uh, Umi uh, tells her that uh, Katori really actually doesn't want to leave. She actually does want to stay, but she wants to hear it from Honoka herself. And like, I know a lot of people say that Honoka was feeling, was being selfish for bringing Katori back, you know, stopping her from following her dreams. But at the same time, Umi outright says that Katori doesn't want to go. She wants Honoka to be selfish and bring her back. Yeah, there is still that element that Katori does actually want to stay and do love live because that's become her new passion. Yeah, like she just wants to hear it from her best friend. Yeah. So Honoka goes and gets Katori back. It's actually a pretty great scene where, like, she runs to the airport and, like, she brings her back and Katori's like, thank you, that's all I wanted to hear. But yeah, in the end, Katori's here to say all is forgiven. Though, I wish we got to see the aftermath where Katori has to go through all the trouble getting all of her belongings that were shipped overseas because we, <laughs> we see her packing everything, her room is empty, and also having to explain to, like, the famous fashion designer where she's all like, Oh, sorry. I wasn't planning on going anyway. This is all just one big cry for help to get my friend to force me to stay. Oopsie doodle. Yeah, I hope she realizes she can't get a refund on those plane tickets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I know her mother... Those 500... <laughs> 500,000 yen plane tickets. You know, I know her mother's like a director of a notable school in Japan, but I don't think that pays all that much. Yeah, I don't think... Yeah, you're not rich, honey. <laughs> no, you're not Maki rich. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking about it, actually, like, that whole situation actually kind of makes the whole ending kind of funny. <laughs> Just like, yeah, you have to deal with that bullshit later. 
All right, girls, let's get this final performance out of the way. We're, we're currently being chased by police. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, here's Star Dash. Let's go! big final performance it all comes back to start dash to the auditorium where they all first came together singing this big song and then you know honika vowing to like keep going on with being an idol because it's fun and hey we're still kind of shooting for love live here yep it's a big declaration this is not the end they still got the gold to go for and with that season one comes to a close with muse setting their sights on a brand new goal love live we coming for you <laughs> curtain down see you in season two Season 1, final thoughts here. 
I mean, sh- I, I mean, should we even give our final thoughts? We're not done with Love Live. No, but like maybe uh, final thoughts on what we've seen thus far. Just quick, just real quick. Just quick. Like, Got it. Good stuff so far. Good stuff in this for in this first half of the series. Good strong start. Yeah, very good start. This was like as soon as I saw this, I was all in on Love Live, and when I watched it, it was right in the middle of when season two was airing. So like, I immediately jumped into season two as it went on. So I was just all like, it was a big Love Live summer and. It's all thanks to season one, and I'm grateful for it. Yeah, everything about this fir- about this first season, very solid. Solid characters, good character development, you know, and even though it fumbles the end a little bit, um, you know, everything is still, like, the, the interpersonal relationships are all still very strong. And all of it's done so very tastefully, too. Yeah. Nothing about this feels, like, very manipulative or anything. Like, everything is everything about the series so far, yeah, I think this first half really gets across how sincere it all is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, since I think I think Love Live's sincerity is one of its uh, strongest aspects, and it comes through very well in this first season. You know, the, the conflicts are treated with you know as much seriousness. It is nothing but love and reverence for idol work. You know, I think if anything that I think I would say that's probably the one thing that hooks in any every anybody into this series. It's not any one character. It's not a group of characters. It's not even necessarily the story. It's the sincerity with which it's all treated. Yeah, 100%. Like, totally the sincerity is what really hooked me in. Like, seeing this entire package together, like, it just... It brought me into, like, a new world right here, and it gave me the start of what would be one of my favorite comfort animes of all time. Like, I adore every single thing about this. I couldn't wait for more, and luckily, I didn't have to wait for more. Like, I fully got... (laughs) entrenched in like the love live universe right here and i'm forever grateful for it but yeah next time we will see you all for season two which in my opinion is actually even better than season one i mean undoubtedly it's better than season one yeah like season one already good but season two like the fact that we don't have to worry about bringing everyone together we don't have to worry about school closings or anything like that we just have all nine members of muse all together working together as idols and just reaching for their dreams like it's a perfect season and it's a perfect example of as to why i feel second seasons in love live in general are always the best seasons yep love live we coming for you <laughs> sucker thank you all for listening i've been your host mikey and you can find me at my social medias at mikey shiota on twitter mikey shiota.tumblr.com and mikey shiota on the gram where can we find you buddy you can find me at two bits on twitter and wolfish grin on tumblr follow anime baby on twitter at anime underscore baby that's anime underscore b-a-y b-a-y also follow the show at animebaybay.podbean.com apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts so yeah stay tuned part two of big episode 50 all about love live school idol project Season 2. It's gonna be great. Until next time, stay safe out there, be good to yourself and others, and this has been... Anime, baby!
And then we get it. We get the catchphrase. Fucking splicey in. Nico Nico ni. I'll make your heart go Nico Nico ni. Hi there, I'm Nico Nico Yazawa. Don't forget Nico ni, cause I Nico need you.